Are you ready? Okay, Smokey. Roll him. <laughs> That's silly. Shoot him now! Shoot him now! Hi everyone! Welcome to That's Not Quite All Folks, a Lane Tunes podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Mark Hanlum, joined by... And I'm Jordan Schmidt, and today we have reached uh, an even number episode episodes we're talking about a movie, and because we're talking about a movie, we have to be talking about the next theatrical Looney Tunes project in, in, in the, the running, which is, of course, Looney Tunes back in action. I was I was hoping it was the uh, Looney 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 Bugs Bunny movie. I didn't we agree did to this. Well, that's a classic. <laughs> I mean, nothing they do now is going to come close to Looney 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 Bugs Bunny movie, yeah. like by a a mile. And as 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 you may have already um, uh, <laughs> surmised, we've we brought some friends along for the ride. We have Cinema Marketing, Mike yeah, and please. Anthony. Thank you so much for joining yes, us. You. This is thank great. You. Yeah, See, Mike, just... I told you we could do a joint intro and it would be fine. This worked yeah. out great. All right. Yeah. Yeah, no, good. I, I'm, I'm so glad I didn't want to throw anyone off. Like, wait, who are these two about this Looney Tunes show? Where's? <laughs> <laughs> but no, this, you guys do uh, chronicle all Looney Tunes uh, I, chronologically, or not chronologically, you just like... All Looney Tunes. Uh... All Looney Tunes all the time. Exactly. <laughs> I, I give you guys props because we tried uh, pigeonholing ourselves into one specific thing with Happy Madison movies, and it made <laughs> me, frankly, want to kill myself. So well, I give you mad props. Yeah. Well, the yeah. thing is, is that like you have to center yourself. If you're going to do like a only one thing sort of stuff, you got to make sure it's something that's that gives you good dividends every once in a while. A lot yes. of successive Happy Madison movies can turn a man insane. All right, so before we go go into things, um, Mike, what exactly is cinema marketing for those who don't know? Like, what do you guys cover on the show, and what do you do? All right, so our show, Cinema Marketing, is about the marketing of certain movies, how movies were promoted in trailers and posters and any other uh, ancillary products and tie-ins, and we basically just uh, look at all of the stuff that was released around the movies. Uh, release date in order to promote it um and the critical response and the box office reception that it had afterwards so we see how well that marketing paid off like how much did it actually benefit the movie and in some cases the marketing uh like with this movie the marketing did a bad job at communicating what uh the movie was supposed to be and it uh ended up hurting the movie in the long run uh our first episode was on kangaroo jack a very infamous movie where the marketing really uh, screwed over uh, a lot of what people thought the movie was going to be, and uh, people forever associate hating the movie with uh, why, with what that marketing told them the movie was going to be. So we take a look at movies like that, but also other movies. We did Space Jam, uh, movies that are just like heavily marketed, that have a lot of marketing tie-ins and stuff to, to talk about. So that's what we do over on the show, and uh, I feel like Back in Action is a movie that has a lot of that. Yeah. We've gotten already two... Looney Tunes episodes uh, on this podcast before we've gotten one Happy Madison so far, and we're only ten oh, episodes good. in. We're not doing a Happy Madison episode. That's I'm, you're I'm, telling I'm, me that we're not going to get to Paul Bart Mall Cop or, or Pixels. Yeah, like those you know what are had right. great marketing. Little Nicky had great marketing. Oh, oh we already oh. did that on the other show. Don't make me watch it again. <laughs> Damn. Yeah. 
Um, oh, come on, man. Jack and Jill. The entire marketing <clears throat> was Adam Sandler, two people? What? Adam Sandler. We, we yeah. couldn't get through. We could not get through 15 minutes of that movie. We literally shut it off. So. <laughs> but anyway, it's the right. movie at hand. We've already gotten off topic. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so yeah, Looney Tunes back in action. This is the second Looney Tunes movie that we're covering on the Cinema Marketing Podcast. We did Space Jam already, and literally less than 10 episodes later are doing this. And I said, I guarantee we will have to like wait like five, six, seven years before we ever even touch like Space Jam 2, A New Legacy. So Thank God. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get it over At with. At least you've done the two that are culturally like, you know. Relevant. That, that have a... And, and, you know, and that, and that, I thought you were going to say significant. I go, I wouldn't call this film significant. Well, ones that people <laughs> will be talking about. Yeah, and and unfortunately, part of the pro- part of the, the the issue with this movie is that it be, it was very unsignificant culturally for a long time. It got buried, and it was yeah. like it pretty much didn't even get a fair chance at life. Yeah, but we'll we'll get to this. I refer to this movie as basically a. Not exactly a murder mystery, but more like a hit job where you just could yeah. see a studio murder a movie in real time and you see all of the decisions that led to that, why they did it, how they did it. And then slowly this story still has a happy ending because for some strange reason, a lot of people are rallying around this movie right now. When I asked you both, Mike and Anthony, when I asked you both to come on and do this, there were a, a, a mixture of like, oh, that's a weird, odd movie. I mean, there's a lot to talk about there. It, it wasn't a bad, like, it just, this no. doesn't have a bad reputation, I don't think. I don't know. In the time of the internet where you have people uh, rallying around the Star Wars prequels, I I, I got to take that with a grain of salt, man. I don't know about yeah. that one. No, we're, we're in an age right now where you can reappraise anything. Like, the reappraisals of, like, I don't know. There, there are reappraisals going on for, like, I mean, I know that me, I make fun of Lewis for, for Speed Racer and stuff, but it's like, all right, I get that. But then there's, like, reappraising, like, the Resident Evil movies or, like, the Mortal Kombat movies. And it's like, okay, I don't think that this is... I think we're going a little too far here. Um, to be fair, I don't think Lewis or anyone is ever going to sell me on Speed Racer. I, I, I can't get through it. It's too inane. But, yeah, so why don't we get into this movie, Looney Tunes yeah. Back in Action. Exactly. You guys have some things you want to say about this movie? When did you first see this movie? When were you first made aware of it? I'm sure that as kids who love Looney Tunes, you were probably there day one, right? Well, um, you'd think we'd both be. You say the studio killed this movie, but guess who didn't see it? Yeah. um, Because they didn't know about it because the studio killed it before they could even be made aware. Oh, well, some of us knew about it. Um, So... This was a movie, I remember the trailer, I remember the James Bond teaser trailer, where, you know, it's like this big, like, it's a mystery, it's suspenseful, haha, it's a Link Tunes movie, and like, as a kid, with the internet, because we didn't really know this movie existed until that trailer came out in front of... Shop on Lava Girl, uh, SpongeBob SquarePants movie. What was it? Yeah. I, those I don't bo- know. Those were both the movies that came out after Looney Tunes. Looney Tunes oh, came out. Yeah, probably wasn't that. <laughs> yeah, but it was no. Three. Yeah, I, I, I played Nemo. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah, I, I saw. I played the the that teaser trailer, the the Bond parody trailer at the end of our last episode as the little hint, and that is like. Thank you. That is like my favorite genre of kids' movies trailers in the 2000s where it's like, it's a big epic 
action adventure, and then a cartoon character comes in, and it's like, yeah, it's a cartoon, Doc. Like, yeah, uh, SpongeBob had one of those too. Yeah, well, the best exactly. one of those is Scooby Doo, where they make you think it's a Batman movie, and it's actually, you know, Rumi. So oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh well, <laughs> yeah, the Scooby Doo movies. We keep hinting. I think every episode we hint that the Scooby Doo movies are like upon us. Mm. I am big on the live action Scooby Doo movie. I'm just putting that out there right now. I, so a sneak peek of what I'm going to think of it. The, not the second one, the first one I like. I need like to do it. a good drunk watch of that one of these days. It's been a while. It's even worth a sober watch. Just going to say mm. it. Okay. All right. Well, <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So I was aware of this movie. I was hyped for the movie. I got the calendar. I got the video game on GameCube. I was ready to go. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that game too. <laughs> yes. on, but. And and then in November slash December, um, around that time, the the main thing about if you're a kid who really wants to see a movie is your parents have to take you to see the movie. And my parents were either I forgot to tell them about the movie or it just passed by. I didn't notice it, but we, I did not see this movie in theaters. Instead, in December of that year, I saw Elf, which I mean, I mean, on one hand, I saw a classic Christmas movie in its original theatrical run, but on the other, I missed out on seeing the Looney Tunes on the big screen. So. Yeah, you probably could have seen a cheap matinee at that point, too. That was definitely showing at fucking, you know, $3 showings. Yeah, yeah so I, don't th- I did not see this movie when I was a kid. I think that around this time, I think most of the movies that I was seeing that were released in theaters, like my dad just, like, bought bootleg DVDs. Like, he would come home from work every day with, like, a pile. And it would be, like, in, like, 2003 or maybe, like, summer 2004, like, when this was in the pile rotation, it's, like, I was more interested in watching, like, Shrek 2 and Spider-Man 2. And now, were these, were these bootlegs, like, screener copies? Oh, no, or these were, they were like, just people Kramer? Walk, no, these were people walking in front of the yeah. frame, and you hear them laughing, oh, and, like, yeah. Wow. No, these are, I had an uncle who, 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 who did that. I had an uncle who I saw... movies? Wow. Yeah, I, I, I had an <laughs> uncle who got um, a car screener. That, that song with my with my with my grandma, and a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory screener that I watched on my own militian. No, yeah, but I I think that I had maybe watched this on bootleg like once, or maybe like saw like bits and pieces of it because there were parts of the movie that when we were watching it again, I was like I did remember seeing that scene, like I remembered seeing. Like that that joke when when Bugs gets shot, like after they fire Daffy, and he's like sitting there, he's like, "Oh, the pain!" Oh, like I, I remember. <laughs> but yeah, so I I never saw this movie outside of commercials on Nickelodeon. No idea. I haven't seen it. <laughs> yeah, but I also think you're saying like the reputation, like the reappraisal of this movie is because I saw it a lot of it last year when Space Jam A New Legacy came out. Oh, and yeah. People rallying and saying like, this is the real Space Jam sequel that we deserved and we didn't appreciate at the time. I'll agree with didn't appreciate at the time. Not so much. It's a Space Jam sequel. But we'll no. Get to it, later. Or like, we'll... not, maybe not a Space Jam sequel, but like a better like Looney Tunes theatrical successor. Yeah. That yeah. Movie. Yeah. In a sense, and and we'll get into this as a follow up to Space Jam when we get into background and such. In terms of um, my background on this, I um, I mean, this came out in like a lot of my Looney Tunes watching youth of just you know watching the reruns and such. And so I, I was big into this movie as it came out. I I ate up the promotional materials. Um, I had some of the action figures, uh, which I imagine 
we'll get into with with some of the marketing and such but oh, they were yeah. really cool because it was the ones that were like you could take like the little connectable body parts and you could take off bugs's head or marvin's arms or whatever yo the mid-2000s were big on that shit those were cool were a lot of, but I then again those. i think it's just kids in general because even now there's like a skylanders version where the whole shtick was you could take parts from monsters yeah. and put them on other monsters yeah so they they had something like that with I think Marvel for a little bit if yeah, I remember they, correctly they still have that the, the, oh, the, wow, the, okay. the, the Marvel Legends where it comes with like a piece of an actual figure and you put oh it no together. that's that's different that's like a build a figure with like the, oh. the six inches yeah I think all kids nowadays have just turned into Sid from Toy Story like we all thought he was a demented freak like he's putting heads on different bodies and now it's like they're everyone all he's kids being do creative it. he he was a visionary at the time Sid yeah. is innocent. No, I, I, and you know, plus he makes great money working for the garbage show. Disposable Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, no, I, I, I ate up all the promotional stuff. Uh, saw this in theaters. So you were the one. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> single handedly saving Warner Animation. Yeah, no, I, it was just me. No, no, there were probably a lot of people in the theater. But like, you know, I, I saw this in theaters. I remembered liking it then, even though it was the kind of thing where like you could tell. By my folks, like, yeah, maybe it's not the best movie. And I, and I would, like, watch this whenever it was on cable. But I was always, like, this is good, but it's still not. Like, there's still some things that aren't perfect. But a lot like Space Jam. But, um, no, I, that, that, that's, that's, that's where, I, where I came from. Sorry, that's not a concrete yeah. in that sense. <laughs> I, did, I did eventually buy the movie on VHS. And that's where a lot of my viewing came from. First from that beach, yes. which I still have. Cool. All right, so now let's move on to the next segment. Where you guys want to talk about what what were Looney Tunes up to in two thousand three? Like, where did this? What was what was going on with them that like this? And this came out like right in the middle of that. <laughs> well, it um, pretty good. Sort you know? sort of. <laughs> you know, um, you know, at this point. Within about the three-year span of this movie, because it's 03, you know, in the year 2000, had tweets our flying adventure, which is fine. We covered it. It was all right. It was yeah. all right. Did some things. Um, in regards to TV, you had the Chuck Jones show. You had Bugs and Daffy on um, Cartoon Network airing at that time. There was also the Duck Dodgers TV series, which would uh, premiere in August of 2003. That was a nice... Which was good. Yes. Yeah. We, yes. I, we liked that a lot when we covered it for the show. Was that um, uh, meant as like a... Was that like a backdoor pilot that was then got like for this movie? Because at the end of this movie, when Daffy turns into Duck Dodgers, is like... was, was Well, that... no, because Duck Dodgers was also a character in the Looney Tunes yeah. shorts at the time. They just yeah. made a series In the 24th and a half century. So, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I remember I had a I had a I had a Bugs Bunny VHS when I was a kid. I don't know what it was called, but it had all space themed episodes. It was tri- it was it was surrounded around like a trial, like he was on trial or something like space trial. And it had the Mar- the first Marvin episode. It had Duck Dodgers. It had I don't know. It had all space themed cool. episodes. But yeah. Anyway. Awesome. It's, it's, it's kind of rare for a lot of those compilations to have like a full wraparound with, with new animated stuff. But like so that sounds really cool. Also, in 2003, Boomerang would air the June Bugs Marathon, which was you know, yes. the first airing of, of almost every Bugs Bunny cartoon ever made. You know, <laughs> got you out the racy ones. You know, the, the yeah, race. I was about to say they didn't they didn't put they didn't put one of the uh, what are they called the censored uh, eleven the, yeah the censored eleven that was, a couple of those were Bugs there's, cartoons. There's there's one yeah. Bugs cartoon in the censored eleven. So oh, okay, yeah. yeah. So they kind of showed that. 
And in regards to the Warner Animation Group, because th- this was kind yeah. of their big project in 2003, they tried and failed. <laughs> um, around this time, they tried to emulate the Disney style with Cats Don't Dance. Oof. It failed at the box office. They tried to go towards the more adult-oriented audiences with films such as Batman Master of the Phantasm and The Iron Giant. Oh, you mean oh, that great. hidden that hidden indie gem, The Iron Giant, that nobody's <laughs> ever heard movie, of? Man. Oh, yeah. yeah. Indie superstar Vin Diesel. Yeah. That's yeah. a movie that's gone it's gone from being uh underrated to now being like everyone knows about the movie and it's not underrated it's anymore. It's just the it's fact just... that there are still people online that are like, "Oh, this hidden movie. You ever seen The Iron Giant?" It's like, "Yeah, bro, it made like, yes, I've seen The Iron Giant." It's like, "Have you seen The Lion King, bro?" It's like, "Yes. What are you talking about?" <laughs> There's this little movie called Casablanca. <laughs> um, it's funny is that both those movies got screwed over by marketing. So yeah. I mean, maybe, oh. maybe those two movies you actually cover. Oh, Iron Giant <laughs> is on the docket, and I I feel like Batman: Fast and the Phantasm is going to be on there too. Yeah, Ma- Mask yeah. of the Phantasm. I I kind of want to see. You haven't seen it? It's I've never seen. Oh, Mask it's really good. It's really good. It's it's the sum of all of the great creatives that were doing the animated series. Of that well, the animated it's... series is absolute excellence. So. Stellar. Yeah. Yeah. So, pretty much, they're surrounded by failure. So, by this time, when they announced, when they announced we're going to do a Looney Tunes film, live action animated, this is kind of Warner Brothers Animation Group's last chance to do something financially successful. Because the only financially successful movie they did was Space Jam. <laughs> That's the only one that like made money back. <laughs> Yeah. So <laughs> made money, all right. It's a fun watch. I mean, I'll yeah. it. it's, it's yeah. fun. It's, it's also a marketing bonanza, as we've already oh, previously yeah. covered yeah. on uh, the Cine Marketing Podcast, Space Jam episode three. Yeah. Oh, he remembers the numbers. How how long? How many episodes are we going to go through, Mike? Before you just Forget don't the, remember the numbers. Before I pull a Louis Otero and just like welcome to episode, I don't know, one hundred and seven, hey. maybe. Yeah. I guess. What? I mean, we're around the eighties, and I just say oh, the, the fucking number of oh, that one, the one with these three, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, because this back in action did poorly, this kind of ended the Warner Brothers animation group for a good while. And they wouldn't come back until the Lego movie in 2014. Yeah. So thank I God always God forget for that's Miller. a Warner movie. I always yeah. forget it that. Is. How do you forget when they keep having, they show Batman and Superman and the oh, Gandalf yeah, and right, Wicked right. Witch in there? Yeah, but yeah. so does Robot Chicken. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So I mean, we're at, well, yeah, they're owned by Warner Brothers, a Cartoon Network. Yeah, owned by- yeah, Turner. Yeah. Yeah. So, oh yeah, it is Turner. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ted Turner. <laughs> you guys talk a lot about Ted Turner. Hey. No, actually, not too much. I mean, we should talk about him more. He is the reason that we were able to watch Looney Tunes cartoons as kids. Yeah, so. yeah, he's he's a big guy. He's like, I just bought all of these cartoons and I need something to do with them. Let's make a TV channel where I could just show everything I bought. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> of course. Um, okay, so we should get into uh, the background on, or a little bit more in the background on this movie specifically. So we we should basically stress that you know this is coming off of Space Jam, and Warner Brother wants to Warner Brothers wants to recreate that success. And so before this became back in action, this was a number of different things in development. So uh, obviously, it began life as Space Jam Two. 
um, which was going to involve, you know, Michael Jordan would be back, the Looney Tunes, and it was going to be against, instead of uh, Swackhammer, it was going to be a new alien named Berserko, which sounds awful. Um, <laughs> they, they even had animator Bob Camp uh, doing character design on him. Uh, Joe Pitka, the director of Space Jam, would have returned. Spike Brandt and Tony Servone would have been animation souping. That film didn't end up happening because Michael Jordan uh, didn't agree to a sequel, and it was sort of it, it sort of screwed over uh, Warner Brothers there, and because they they basically said like, oh, it, it, in order to greenlight the movie, they said, okay, Jordan's here, and Jordan ended up not being there, and so once they realized they were going to do Space Jam two without Michael Jordan, the project was canceled. They couldn't so, even t- get Scottie Pippen or somebody like they couldn't even get Dennis Rodman or Spud Webb or. Uh, <sighs> Or fucking uh, Dikembe Mutombo. They couldn't even get Dikembe Mutombo. Like, I know the 90s was big for basketball, but it would have been really cool to see him do another sport, right? Like, get a baseball player. Get, get, it, was, it was the 90s. That, Derek Jeter was still like a young that, rookie. That's, that's, that's kind of what they wanted to do. They, they approached Tony the Hawk to do Skate Jam, which that's, I'm... That's one of them. I'm so... Yeah, like, how did we what? miss out on that? How did we miss yeah. out on Skate Jam? Well, skate here's the thing. Jam. Here's the thing. Because after... After Michael Jordan leaves Space Jam 2, they the studio wanted to do a, the similar Space Jam 2 with other sports stars. Uh, Joe Pitka, the director of Space Jam, said at one point a long time back, I was called down to do look at the script for Space Jam 2, and Tiger Woods was written into it. Oh, that would have been sick. I don't know how you would do golf, though. Make golf uh, big, on, big for the kids. Well, it would take place in Scotland, obviously. <laughs> sure. And, oh, of um, course. Fine. Scotland, the alien planet of Scotland. There's going to be a joke about a guy wearing a skirt. I'm telling you. Of course. <laughs> and a guy you can't understand, like in the Uncharted trailer. Yeah, a drunk guy, yeah. I don't... But yeah, Pitka says that it never came to be. It was a strange script, but Tiger was a part of it. And this apparently came out of a script conference at Warner Brothers. And then after a Golf Jam, it, it was also supposed to be Race Jam with Jeff Gordon. Who is Racist in this jam? And he's, and he's in the movie. He's in yes. this back in action. As a reparation for Race Jam never happening, he would be slight, like, Jeff, come over, come into L.A. and do this movie. It, it's okay, buddy. They right. could not call that Race Jam. Yeah. That is horrible. <laughs> that was a horrible title. People would riot. Um, race Jam. <laughs> tr- I don't it's know, just, man. It's just to kill a mockingbird, but with the Looney Tunes. God. Damn it! Yeah, Jeff, uh, Jeff say, Gordon. stand up, boy. Your father's passing. <laughs> um, Jeff Jeff Gordon's my favorite racist. <laughs> <laughs> and then after it became a race jam, uh, it was also, as you said, with Tony Hawk's skate jam. Uh, they eventually, after that, decided to drop the concept of making it sports related in a Space Jam sequel. So Tony Hawk would have been honestly pretty cool, though. Yeah, that would have been nice. Yeah, would have had a great soundtrack. Know. Oh my god, yeah. God, yeah. Just just re- copy and paste the Tony Hawk uh, Pro Skater soundtracks. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> get some good skate punk. Um, and then, most intriguingly, especially for the context of this movie, it became Spy Jam. That doesn't even rhyme. What a crock of shit. It's, well, Space hey, Jam doesn't They rhyme, were really not, running low on no, ideas. No, I'm saying, it doesn't, all the other ones rhyme, with, or sounded similar to Space. Skate. Skate. You know what Race. I mean? Has the same Race first two letter, letters. Golf. Classic rhyme. Yeah, golf. <laughs> golf. <laughs> space. Dr. Seuss loved that one. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, Jackie Chan in 2000 and whatever, around 2000 really, he's coming off of Rush Hour, he's coming off of his own animated series. Mainstream yes. U.S. success. It's a very big deal. And so they wanted to basically have Warner Brothers 
do Jackie Chan doing a, an action movie with the Looney Tunes. And this project would sort of funnel into two directions. First of all, it would become back in action, but also the concept of having Jackie Chan do a, a cartoony, wild, sci-fi-ish thing would eventually become the tuxedo. I remember trailers for that fucking movie. They, they really cram, tried to cram that down your throat. <laughs> Never seen it. Yeah, uh, it's an odd movie. It's um, Some of it works, some of it doesn't. Um, National Treasure, Colin Mockery has a cameo as a bank uh, manager. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I like Colin Mockery. He's, he's a, a, a legend among men. Um, hey, he's a cool guy. Mike and I saw him perform. Yeah, yeah, no, Jordan was probably at that same show. He performed at our college. Yeah, um, with, uh, with Ryan Styles, right? Um, yeah, at, at the at the PAC. Oh no, was it? Wait, was it? Who was it with? Was it? Was it Greg? Proops? Colin and Brad. Brad. Oh, Brad Sherwood. Yeah, Brad Sherwood. They were wonderful. Yeah. I, I was I was in the improv club at Purchase, and we got to go backstage and talk shop with them for a little while, and they're really good people. That's fucking awesome, dude. That both are just great human beings. Um, but yeah. Um, Spy Jam uh, dissolves, and it sort of just becomes back in action. There are some remnants of the Spy Jam concept in the finished product, like DJ being a failed stuntman, references to Kung Fu, and also the spy be, movie over His dad being spy. a spy. His dad being yeah, exactly. Dalton Damian as James yeah. Bond. Like. Right. Right. So, uh, I have a question. Yeah. What would be... Which like, is through all these like real pitches they had. Knowing how society and culture has been since 2000, what would be other ways they could potentially do a Space Jam-like movie? They already did it with, I mean, Space Jam 2 with LeBron. Right. That was a no-brainer. But, like, imagine if the movie never happened. What crazy, like, it's like, oh, like like Food Jam, but with Gordon Ramsay. A a wrestling movie with John Cena. Hey, what's up, Doc? It's the cream of the crop. Yeah, no. Pun- punch Jam with Floyd Wade Mayweather. That son of a gun, Hulk Hogan. Yeah. Have I ever told Brother. you Darth Plagueis the Wise? <laughs> you ever seen that the, the TikTok of some guy doing Macho Man Randy Savage telling oh the story of Darth Plagueis? You ever Plagueis? heard of the oh, myth of wonderful. Darth Plagueis the Wise? I'll tell you. <laughs> uh, oh, God. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the, the, the possibilities are endless. And eventually they did decide to just take it away from the gimmicky Space Jammy kind of thing and into actual movie. A Space Jam movie about professional gaming or Twitch streaming with PewDiePie. <laughs> <laughs> they would fucking do it. They would Man, fucking Doc, do it. I don't think you can say that it'll word. Be ca- it'll be called Loon Esports. <laughs> Loon Esports. Christ. That's, that's just cringe enough to actually happen. That's Dude, just... it, Warner, I hope someone at Warner hears that and makes it. Please. <laughs> um... Okay, so once it becomes uh, Looney Tunes back in action, they start actually figuring out how to make it, and the guy they eventually hire to direct is uh, a guy named Joe Dante. Sounds like a fake name. That's a, that's a baller name, Joe Dante. <laughs> Two first names, like all awesome people, I think. I don't know. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Joe Dante, um, a acclaimed director, uh, began his work, like all classic film directors, Working with Roger Corman to yeah. make B to make B movies, yeah. Drive through schlock, just complete. It's cinema, but not really. Um, I mean, it's but, it's good. Popcorn yeah, but you can see shit. you can see remnants of that throughout like all of a lot of the rest of his movies. Like they're like oh, Gremlins oh, yeah. is a very oh, yeah. like you know, kind of schlock. Yeah, yeah. We covered it on uh, Varicon. You did that. That episode, is that, movie. 
That is a movie that haunted oh, me. Oh, this this guy did Small Soldiers? Yes. Yes, yes he did Small yes, Soldiers. He did. Yeah. And Small Soldiers is honestly the biggest indicator of this movie because it's a very like like it's it's well written and made for a like even like adult audiences, and it was completely fucked over by the studio. Dude, I heard I heard that movie was originally R rated. Yes, it was. Yeah, and they had to tone it down to a PG thirteen, yeah. right? And they also had to cut a lot of um, the climax uh, because one of the um, actors in it was Phil Hartman, and oh. they didn't want to get him in too much violence after because um, this rat this was this came out after his uh, death. Yeah, so. Mike, that's one we got to add to the list. Small soldiers, yeah, yeah. no, it's got. <laughs> There's gotta be a there's gotta be a Don is there the Dante cut of that movie that's R rated? I don't know. Not, I'd love to see it. No, there isn't really any like director's cuts of Dante films. It's just like well, this one and Small Soldiers know. deserve ones. Yes. Yeah, so, what? Also, going back to so he worked on Gremlins. Yeah. And that's a movie where Dante kind of took in some favors. So, well, he was able to work with Spielberg to produce it. He was able to work with, you know, puppet-like creatures. So, so Dante, through working with Corman, was able to work around a budget and timing. So Gremlins got in on time. And also, he got a, um, a cameo from a, a, a guy he knew called uh, Chuck Jones in the movie. Oh, you mean the guy that made the worst uh, Tom and Jerry episodes? Hey... Hey, no, listen, he live. listen if you're watching, Mike said it, if you're watching Tom and Jerry and it opens with Tom in a circle meowing, it's bad. It's not a good episode. You know, even Chuck Jones has said later on that he he knew that they weren't that, that good. So He was recycling old Roadrunner and Coyote classes. Oh my, yes. It's horrible. Horrible. And Hubie and Birdie episodes. And not even much. good to look at. The animation quality on those are bad too. Yeah, so Joe becomes... Friends with Chuck Jones, so um, he has Chuck Jones cameo in Inner Space, yeah. um, a Martin Short Dennis Quaid movie, where where I believe he holds a Bugs Bunny doll. Right? He like, does. It, yes, it, it, it's very obvious who it is. And the biggest collaboration was the opening of Gremlins Two, which begins with Bugs and Daffy. <laughs> it yes. begins with like um like a minute Looney Tune segment of just. Bugs and Daffy bickering, and it's Chuck Jones animated, Mel Blanc providing the voices, and it's it's very nice. Gremlins Two is a chaotic film. Like it, I Gremlins like it. Two is awesome. No, it's I, I like I, it a lot. Yeah, no, no, yeah, I, I'm saying that in a in a good way. That oh, it's yeah, chaotic. Of course, like, I, I agree with you. It's it's pure chaos, but it just works. Leonard Maltin gets killed by Gremlins. Yeah, Hulk Hogan has to save the movie. <laughs> They turn off the movie halfway through, and then parents yeah. are complaining that the movie's too violent, and then Hulk Hogan has to be like, you better put Gremlins 2 back on for these good people. <laughs> Cinema, man. What a concept. It's great. Yeah. But something that would recur within Dante's career was he would have these highs with Gremlins and with films like, like Gremlins and <laughs> The Burbs. I don't know which one of them's made money, so I'm going with those two. Yeah. yeah. And Gremlins. also had, you know, cult classic. Small soldiers. Small soldiers also had like cult classics like Gremlins 2, Inner Space, and the highly underappreciated Manet. And, yeah, and, and Piranha. Oh, and yeah. Piranha. 
I, so he would just like run the gamut between movies that made a lot of money and were big successes, movies that would cost the studio lots of money. It was never. It was always the extremes, really. Yeah, I was. I was going to say that it's a. I was also going to say, where would you put Looney Tunes back in action in his oeuvre? Like, how does it compare to the rest of his? Um, films? I honestly wouldn't put it in like the top half. Yeah. And this is me being very honest because the top half is stuff like the Gremlins movies, the Burbs, Inner Space, Matinee, but it's definitely not at the bottom. And he's done a lot of not as good stuff since this movie that would go at the bottom and also some of his some stuff like that just didn't work as well but it's it's toward the middle of his catalog to me but it's not the worst oh yeah all right so now let's uh let's move on to now actually yeah what else what else came uh, about in the production of this movie after that okay so first of all the way the way that Dante got into this movie is uh in the 90s uh Joe Dante wanted to produce a biographical comedy um, about Termite Terrace with HBO. And it would have been about Chuck Jones finding Warner Brothers, meeting um, Frizz Freeling, Bob Clampett, all of those guys in the 30s and 40s. And Dante offered the project to Warner Brothers, and they're like, okay, it's an old story, it's got period stuff in it, and we don't want to do that right now. Uh, we want to work on Looney Tunes characters, and, and we want to do stuff like Space Jam. Sounds awesome, though. That sounds like something I would love today if they yeah. did it. Someone... Someone make like a mank, but f- make mank, but for like you know 1940s cartoonists. Please, it'd be much better than mank. HBO Max is a streaming service. I'm sure they're looking for original productions to put on there. No, they'd rather they'd rather do with their IPs. They'd rather make an Alfred TV series. Yeah. <laughs> okay, nice. But Thanks. To man. be fair, Epics did that before HBO did even True. get involved. True. No, yeah, the but. Pennyworth show was not made by HBO Max. It was like acquired or it's something. Still, but it's yeah. still a Warner property. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you that. But uh, I will say uh, about the, the, the term of thing, because it's such a Chuck Jones, like Chuck Jones is the main character and Dante was best friends with Chuck Jones. I do feel that creative, it creative be, difference, like, there like, may be a bit of a, of a bias, a bit yeah. like, like we, we've joked on, on the show interest, before. Yeah. We've joked on the show, on the show before that like Bob Clampett's like a like a like an ass who like took all the credit and like I feel like that would get down to eleven in a Termite Terrace movie just yeah. just uh, just a scene of like the, the crew coming up with you know coming up with a wild hair and then just at the end of the meeting Bob goes it's all my idea it's all mine it's, it's, I thought every single one of these gangs it's like yeah that, it's the social yeah. network but with Bosch pretty much yeah. oh. Oh, <laughs> I love that. I love that. The social network with Mamuches. That's all it is. Yes, exactly. <laughs> oh, um, my God. Once like, Joe Dante, the <laughs> Once Joe Dante boarded uh, the project, he made it a point to say, okay, we're going to do what they want us to do with these IP characters, but we're not going to make it anything like Space Jam. We want to make this movie the anti-Space Jam. And that would be a blessing and a curse. So we're going to make it boring. No. Well, <laughs> all right. I think we've been dancing around this. I think that this is a much better movie than Space Jam. Oh, it is. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is. I didn't have as much fun watching it. But anyway. <laughs> you know. Right. So um, was the first rule of business at, at this meeting was, number one, no quantity DJ on the soundtrack. Number two, no R. Kelly. No R. <laughs> well, Kelly. We can't make it urban. 
It can't be <laughs> oh. urban. Yeah. <laughs> Look, no, we literally, to, no. there's all white people in this. We, yeah, we <laughs> take the soundtrack to this complete 180. We have two junior senior songs on yeah, this like, concert. Yes. <laughs> this they, is, uh, this the is the Denmark. Movie. It's the this, opposite of anything that was in the other one. This is this is the this is the cracker Looney Tunes movie. This is the fucking <laughs> this is the Looney Tunes movie. This is oh, this is this is the most uncultured fucking. This is the white bread milk toast. Wait, you're call, you're calling Space Jam cultured? <laughs> well, I mean, Space Jam is like cultured in a sense that it feels like something's been growing. Listen, up, would actually. would you listen? Would you listen to the soundtrack for this movie over the soundtrack for Space Jam? No, you fucking no. wouldn't. No, no, no. Space Jam soundtrack's amazing. I bet Brendan Fraser can't even dunk a basketball. <laughs> Come on. Brendan Fraser hey, could do could. Space Jam, but Le- but Michael Jordan couldn't do back in action. I I Michael Jordan couldn't do George of the Jungle either. <laughs> Michael Jordan also couldn't be bothered to come in for a day to do anything on back in action. That's true. No. Um, Jordan production. of the Jungle. <laughs> George of the Jungle. Oh, my favorite. One of my favorites. Um, so production for back in action was a disaster. Apparently. Um, Warner Brothers was essentially, um, coming in and not being happy with what was on the script dailies. Joe Dante was essentially being edged out of his creative freedom. Uh, Dante has called this a grim experience all around, the longest year and a half of my life. Um, and what happened was that it was really a tussle between Joe Dante and the uh, animation supervisor, Eric Goldberg, who, fun fact, went to my high school. Um, it's really a tussle between them trying to keep the characters intact and making sure that what happened in Space Jam didn't happen again, and the producers and Warner Brothers trying to make this, you know, a movie that people will want to see. And it said, according to reports, the opening, middle, and end of the film are different from what Dante had envisioned. Goldberg had said that, um, that they were, he, he was frustrated on how Warner Brothers was pushing for a Looney Tunes revival while simultaneously wringing out all of the political incorrectness that made it so great. It's not just political correctness. It's also just like, it, it's not just being taboo and being bawdy. It's also just like being funny. And this movie is very funny, but like, I don't think that it, the political correctness is like, <laughs> I don't think it's exactly as Gilbert says. No. I mean, there's a whole scene of Porky and Speedy Gonzalez talking about how we can't handle this PC culture today anymore, man. <laughs> Dude, if that joke Literally. was made this year, it would have fucking killed. Oh, they would, my they God. Would, Tucker Carlson would have that on the air. <laughs> like, oh. Well, I mean, I mean, ironically, in that scene, Speedy is being voiced by Eric Goldberg, who is not Mexican, so. <laughs> he says, like, three words. Come You're on. You're telling me. Literally three um, words. Come on. Yeah. Um, but uh, um, in terms of filming the movie, Dante said, uh, we would shoot the scene, uh, each scene three times. First, we'd rehearse with a stand-in, a stuffy, we called it. And it's not a, that sounds wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I looked at some of the behind these behind the scenes videos, and it, it's like a big stuffed head of Bugs Bunny. Yeah, they had puppets essentially, uh, made then, by the Jim Henson Company. <laughs> they they yeah. got them from the Jim Henson Company. I Jim didn't Henson. know that. Uh, imagine, yeah. imagine getting puppets from a Jim Henson, Jim Henson Company and not using them in the movie, like yeah. not seeing. Them. What, Mike? Would you prefer they had walk around characters from fucking <laughs> Universal <laughs> Studios <laughs> or from Six Flags, rather? Sure. The old um, guy's going to come out and dance by the bus. 
But they would do that. They would shoot the scene without anything in it. Then we'd shoot the scene again and with this mirror ball in the shot, which showed the computers where the light sources are. Then the animators would go to work, put the characters in the frame. According to Dante, a problem occurred where the studio executives got tired of the film's jokes as they were written and wanted um, to them to be changed. As a result, the studio brought in 25 gag writers to write jokes that were short enough to fit into an animated character's mouth and would pass through focus groups and would be very much laminated and like studio approved. Oh yeah, they really they really cleaned up this movie. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. And despite that the film only has one credited writer. Yeah, I feel like this movie has like focus groups and professional gag writers. Space Jam to me literally seems like they're smoking a blood going, "Yo, what if Michael Jordan and Bugs Bunny? What if we take Newman and make him spherical?" <laughs> spherical. Very interesting. It's funny how you think that Space Jam wasn't highly fucking like mis- market managed. Oh, it was like market managed, yeah. But the, the just you know, I just think it was easier. They didn't have to hire these. It's like you take Bugs Bunny. You, well, it was to sell shoes originally, right? You take Bugs yeah. Bunny. Yeah. You take Michael Jordan. It writes itself. It, it's an easy yeah. fucking thing to do. It's not very hard. This they're like, what do we have? This movie. We got Brendan Fraser. Steve Martin. And it's like a globetrotting adventure where they have to find some blue MacGuffin and then they go to Paris and then they go back to the jungle and then they go to space. I said, I said it before, they... the movie, I was, I was a, little, um, a, a little high watching this. And the first thing I said to Mike is I said, there's too many sets. There's yeah. too many. They're going yeah. too many places. There's a, many places. There's a reason for a lot of the disjointedness that we'll get into yeah. a little later. But it definitely seemed like they wanted to make this like a globe-trotting Indiana Jones yeah. adventure with multiple locations and sets yeah. and stuff. But yeah, yeah, it's a little maybe a little bit more overcomplicated for a Looney Tunes movie. But like, yeah, it's like a Tom and Jerry cartoon. It's like now they're in space. Now they're in the yeah. jungle. Now they're in, now it's they're still in the France. same stick. Now they're in France. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So a funny, uh, funny realization that happened recently was uh, Queen Pan Oswald um, admitting. To being one of those people brought in to punch up the script. And uh, according to Oswald, all the animators could talk about was how fun Brendan Fraser was to work with. Up for anything, the goofier the better, and always added to scenes. So this this was part of one of his stand-up specials where he would talk about like going in and doing punch-up for animated movies. And that is where Wackity Schmackity Do comes from, which is an old, <laughs> an old RMR uh, catchphrase that we had. Because he would talk about like how they would just ask them to like come in and write some weird line out of context. He'll be just like... I, what do I do with all these cupcakes? Whackity schmackity do. And, and then we just started saying that on our bar. That became like and one of stuck. our catchphrases. Yeah. Pat Oswalt was right. Of course. <laughs> It'll stick. So yeah, I think it's funny I mentioned focus group group testing because later, much later after this movie came out, in 2019 on his podcast, The Movies That Made Me, plug, um, Joe Dante would go into more detail about just how the studio would mess with things. So, uh, Dante essentially said that, uh, the problem was we were working for a studio executive who admitted he didn't like cartoons. Then what are you doing here? <laughs> you know, but, it, but it also sounds like, you know, this, so this, this podcast, the movies that made me, it sounds a lot better than the Netflix show, the movies that made us. You know? Yes. Yeah. 
Because Dante no, but, knows what he's doing more than yeah. that. That literally, yes. That's literally Netflix making a fucking combination oh, of oh, fucking, I love the 80. It's the I love series mixed with Babbletop or fucking Watch Mojo. Watch Mojo videos. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's horrible. If you've never seen a DVD bonus feature in your life for any of the movies that show covers, you're completely belivalent. It's like, yeah, I guess this is interesting behind the scenes. And then if you just watch one 30-minute documentary on, on the DVD. Like, my God. If they ever make, like, a Spider-Man 2 movies that made... that, that made... Uh, uh, so be like... Did you know that Alfred Molina didn't like doing stunts? Yeah. <laughs> He's talked, That's all he could talk about. So this executive, he said that, listen, I'm not in it for the cartoons. We're doing this movie because the marketing department wanted to make sure the characters were still being exposed they were still out there in the public consciousness it's bugs fucking bunny jesus christ like who the fuck doesn't know who bugs bunny is i mean i think the thing is now is that because they're so there there hasn't been a lot of new material like i i don't really know how many if there are that many kids nowadays that are discovering looney tunes like i know that they, they have those on eight, ipads are definitely yeah, watching I know, bugs bunny no but i know that there's definitely like that that new hbo max shorts that they have but it's like i don't know I don't know how like widespread like how kids are finding them like or, or if they're discovering Looney Tunes. Well, there Tunes was one. There way. was that Looney Tunes show on Cartoon Network. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Looney I mean, show. it wasn't it wasn't great, but you know that's still good, the though. character. Good. Yeah. Yeah. So they're making the movie. They managed to make the movie. It was very difficult. Uh, Joe Dante says that uh, we put together a rough cut and we showed it to the studio, and they insisted on having a preview of it without finished animation, which is the kiss of death for a movie like this. And after the screening, according to the studio, the movie was obviously, quote, in trouble, end quote. The Black Friday cut of uh, this movie. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, man, Bugs is kind of a dick. (laughs) Well, you're not too far off, believe it or not. Oh, Um, shit. (laughs) So so what Sue decided to do was just get... Do a screening with outside help, just so like a table. Everyone sits at the table and watches the replica of the movie, and and if they think of an idea, just yell a pause and bring up your idea. So one of the people they brought in was a major Hollywood screenwriter who just won an Academy Award, who came in to watch this movie. He does not disclose who this person is. It was definitely Akiva Goldsman. You know what? I'll tell you what. There wasn't one. He's lying. Yeah, He's probably just lying. I think lying. it was. I genuinely you know? think it might have been. Yeah. When did A Beautiful Mind win the Oscar? When was that? 2002. Possible. It was in like February 2002, but yeah. Possible. Yeah, so this major Hollywood screenwriter Akiva. comes into the, into the table. Everyone's looking at him like, what is he going to say? He has to have something about this movie. So the movie begins, Bugs walks into frame, says what's up, Doc, and then the screenwriter goes, hold on, hold on, whoa, 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 pause me, pause the movie. Does he have to say that? (laughs) (laughs) Yes! And it all went to shit after that. Everything just went completely off the the It's like, hang on, pause the movie. Do we even need the rabbit at all? (laughs) Who is this guy? Do we know him? It's literally the Wacky Deli episode of Rocco. Like, do we even need the cheese at all? (laughs) Why are there cartoons here? (laughs) Who is this? What are we doing? 
So, so why when is this does, even a movie? So when does that when does that Mickey Mouse show up? <laughs> he, he's in this, right? <laughs> Where's Michael Jordan? <laughs> when do they start um, playing basketball? When do they start shooting hoops? <laughs> where's, the, where's R. Kelly? Um, <laughs> I think I know. Oh, I, um, I can tell you where R. Kelly is. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, the project um, was shopped for most of production as Looney Tunes the movie uh, after dropping the Spy Jam title. As early as like fall 2002... This was being billed as Looney Tunes the movie by the trades, by Variety, by um, Entertainment Weekly. Through production and early marketing, maybe as far as early 2003, this is still being called Looney Tunes the movie. Would this be, would the, do you guys think this would have been a better title than Back in Action? No, I like, uh, it, I don't think it matters. No, I like Back in Action as a title. And it's also yeah. fun to say uh, as in the voice of the trailer announcer, he's like, Looney Tunes, Back in Action. Like it, yeah. it has that punch to it. Like it's, Looney, yeah. Tunes, Looney Tunes the movie just kind of sounds boring. Like it's just like, okay, yeah. It sounds like there's never been a Looney Tunes movie before. Right. Like Tom and Jerry the movie or the Jetsons movie. Yeah. God, the Jetsons movie. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it is a step up back in action. I mean, it fits the film with a genre right off the back. Um, it really, it really of, hammers home. Back in action also really hammers home the whiteness of the movie. Yeah, <laughs> back you know, in action. Back in action. You know, instead of the suck it to him, suck it yeah, to him. Instead of the confusing and baffling Space Jam, the title here lets you know exactly the kind of movie you're in for, which I dare say feels slightly Muppets esque. <laughs> Looney Tunes, Bazinga. Yeah. <laughs> But it's it's also what I don't like about the 2011 Muppet movie. The movie was originally titled "The Greatest Muppet Movie Ever Made." Like that's a better title than just the Muppets. But it, it, it's it's not it's not true though. <laughs> they probably changed it because they're like, "What it guys? What if it isn't the greatest Muppet movie?" Ever made? To be fair, they do that with the sequel as well. The, the second one was gonna called, but it was gonna be called "The Muppets Again." And they and say it in the opening song. They say, "Why don't we call it the Muppets Again?" And of course, they have a title come down that says "Muppets Most Wanted." Is it the Muppets again or the Muppets dot dot dot, 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 dot again? Dot 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 again. Question mark dot, or exclamation again. point? No, it's I think it would have just been uh, again. Uh, yeah. yeah, dot 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 right. again. Which and yeah, you, you said in the opening song they say that the movie's going to be called Muppets it's again. The Muppets again. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then it's just Muppets Most Wanted. Okay. It sounds yeah. like the studio is literally talking over them. <laughs> yeah, Muppets Most Wanted is a horrible title. It is. Boy, oh howdy. Does it feel good to be a Muppets fan and a Looney Tunes fan? You get screwed over both ways. Both properties. I, I don't understand. Uh, Muppets and Looney Tunes, I'm just going to go out on a brief tangent here. They have the same thing going for them, where like mm -hmm. all their modern output really isn't that great, but the fans know what they want. Literally, all the fans want are more Looney Tunes shorts, just like the old ones. Yeah. All that Muppets fans want are just make the Muppet Show again. Just get modern yeah. celebrities on and yes, do the Muppet Show again. Please. But they refuse to do it. They're like, how about... It's like, okay, we hear you. How about <laughs> we put the Muppets in the office? <laughs> how about we give them a Halloween special with awful um, uh, budget? Yeah. Well, how about we take the Looney Tunes and put them in a show, like a sitcom? Like, like Bugs and Daffy are roommates. It's like, yeah. I don't, they live in the forest. They don't live in a house. He lives in a hole. Right. Okay. He lives in a hole. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, so, and this is the very end of the background stuff that will go right into the actual marketing. And this is basically Warner Brothers killing any chance of success with this movie. Back in Action was supposed to premiere in July 2003, but was shelved A, after the rewrites, and B, after Finding Nemo was going to be going up right against it. So it was moved to November, the start of the holiday movie mm. season, when it, it, after a number of very similar 
family films like Brother Bear, Elf, and right before The Cat in the Hat and Lord of the Rings Return of the King. Warner Brothers refused to promote this film because of the chaotic production and overrun budget. They shot this movie in the foot. You know what? I will at least say this. The changing of the release date to move away from Finding Nemo is actually a better move for it. Because if you release yeah. it in the summer against and Finding Nemo plays like the whole summer, it's like, yeah, that, that's going to kill your chances yeah. of yeah. breaking out more so. And November seems like a decent enough... Like I know that there were other kids' movies around the time, but that was also the time that they released Space Jam 1. It was really a November yes. release date. So it seemed like it would make sense put it at the Thanksgiving release date, and that would be like you know a, a movie you take the family yeah. to. Yeah, because Pixar movies, like Mike mentioned, they don't stay in theaters for a week. They, they make money all fucking summer. Oh, yeah. Like, up until like Thanksgiving, Pixar movies are in theaters still. Like, and they're still in the charts every week. At least that's how it used to be. Not now, but yeah. Now yeah. they don't even get to go to fucking theaters. They get no. put on Disney Plus. Mm. Now Disney's and they're not and, and and they're bad. Like they're not what? good. They, they, they have, I they, liked Luca. It was the most fine movie. Luca was alright. Let's make a movie about Italy and do nothing Italian. It's so stupid. They they ride Vespas Where? and they eat pesto sauce. That's it. Like they, 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 it's but, horrible. Uh, but also Soul was great, and so was uh, yeah. Soul was great. Yeah, Soul. Yep. Not um, a big fan of Soul. No, really? Okay. Ooh, yeah. It made me cry three no, times. It was, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It, it the just, more you think it about seemed, it. It seemed... Look, I mean, listen, like, I'm an adult. I can watch these as, as an adult. I'm just thinking, from a kid perspective, they'd be bored to tears with Soul. They, they, oh, no, they, they wouldn't say, what the hell's going on? Yeah, but but yeah, anyway, that, 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 that movie was the push for me to quit my abusive job, so... Okay. You know, it, it was, oh shit! Okay. Well, at the no end mind. of no, at, in in the middle of the pandemic, the worst year of my life, where it's like it was a very reassuring movie, where it's like life is worth it. So you know what? I have a soft spot for that movie. Um, okay. Fair. Anyway, yeah. Let's let's. I'm uh, an ass. All right. So no, it's okay. <laughs> we all have our our responses to uh, and our relationships with movies, and you know it's fine. All right. Next up, what's next? So we got the trailers, the marketing, the cinema marketing right. of the movie. Take it away. So. We played the first trailer for Looney Tunes Back in Action, the one with the uh, Yosemite Sam as 007 uh, parody. And then uh, we have the other, uh, the more elongated uh, trailer. And uh, we'll put that in here for you to listen to there. The world's looniest heroes are back. Welcome to my world. To save mankind. We cannot let a boy and girl and a duck and a rabbit thwart our plans for global domination. In an adventure somewhere between reality... <laughs> of course you realize this means war. ...and insanity. <laughs> now that's funny. Looney Tunes, back in action. <laughs> So this one has a lot of some of the same recurring bits that uh, show up. We're saying that some of the most famous lines that they keep repeating through all the trailers is the line when Jenna Elfman's just like, who has dynamite? Welcome to my world. Yeah. yeah. Him, her, them. Him, him, her. Them. We made the joke when he, in the movie when he points the, the point to you. It's like, that's like the, there he is, officer. That's the guy who doesn't wash his ass good enough in the shower. Like, <laughs> yeah. That shot of Brendan Fraser just pointing to the camera going, you. You. It's the best. You. Brendan, oh. name a letter. Any letter. You. <laughs> uh, but they also the line when uh, they're at the casino and Yosemite's like, hit me, dang name it. Oh, yeah. That was they a, played that. 
that I remember the line. Cartoon Network loved that line. That's uh-huh. the one that sure aired the most on Cartoon Network when they aired yeah. the promotions for it. Yep, yep. And yep. the uh, the what was it called again? The uh, cartoon th- Cartoon Network's Cartoon Theater. Cartoon yeah. Theater. Yeah. Um, I did. Did the back action even make it Cartoon Theater? Did it ever? Oh, air? you know what? I, I'll tell you what. It may not have, but you know what did? No. The uh, Land Before Time seventeen definitely oh, did, yeah. or whatever the fuck they would play every Land Before they, Time they sequel. They love the Land Before that's, Time. Yeah. that's how no. I knew how many Land Before Times we were up to. It's like the Land Before Time nine. I'm like, holy shit! My <laughs> dad would always say whenever they re- released another Land Before Time movie, he would say, "When are they ever gonna get to time?" <laughs> <laughs> Get to the fireworks. When are they gonna get to the comet factory? <laughs> time. I, I can tell you though that I, I don't think it was on Cartoon Cartoon Theater uh, because they did the rebrand in June 2004, and I uh, don't oh, think yeah. they would have been able to slot it in. Yeah, yeah. That, that rebrand was... fucked me up, man. They switched to the CN era. Yeah, just uh, without warning. You turn on the TV the next morning, everything's different. For somebody like me, then I hated that. Yeah. So also, one thing. Oh wait, let me let yes. me let me handle this. I I want to know your guys' opinion here on cinema marketing. We're thinking about making a corner where I talk about fast food tie-ins and fast food oh, toys. Yep. Well, means happy meal, happy hour with Anthony happy Sony meal, on. happy Yay! hour. Yeah. So the 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 big tie-in for this movie was Wendy's. Now, really, if you Mike and I know Wendy's is. The fucking bottom of the barrel toys. Garbage. Yeah. We yeah. watched a bunch of uh, fast random food. fast food toy reviews for Wendy's the other night. They would have calendars and like a fucking puzzles. <laughs> like they couldn't help themselves. Like there would be times where the, them we're, we're going. Suck. Yeah, we're going through some of them. It's like, okay, this is a toy. It's like a car or a pullback thing. And then at the end, it's just like they have to put a fucking book in. Like they just can't help themselves. Yeah. And this one <laughs> they, is no one has wallets. So Aunt Thomas wanted Wait, learning. Is, is that a Wendy's <laughs> Men in Black wallet? Y- yes. <laughs> you I had, love you, it. You, you, just had that, you just had that sitting next to you? <laughs> no, no. I just what I kid always has had money? flying around. <laughs> exactly. As a kid, I'm like, I don't have money now, but my God, this is going to help me so much in the future. So, I never fucking use this. I never fucking use this. This. This, isn't, this isn't the first Looney Tunes tie-in at Wendy's. They did have one a couple years before in 2001, and that one was fucking pens. They were oh. character pens. <laughs> to be fair, that would have been cool. At least they're all yeah, uniform. Actually, yeah. Like It's not like you have the chance of getting a toy, and then your toy ends up being a pen. It's like, if you're having a pen line, it's like, all right, you know what you're getting into. All right, so I know I'm not going to Wendy's. Great. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Looney Tunes back in action, they're all actual good. toys. You know, you got a Tweety bobblehead, you got a Daffy wind-up car, you have a Taz smitting top, you have a Bugs of course. action bu- figure. But then... There's an activity book. No, no, this isn't an activity Uh-oh. book. This is a Looney Tunes back in action passport. It is oh, a. Shit. Let me pull up a picture I found oh. on Instagram, and I will be posting it on Cinemarketing uh, is Cinemarketing's Instagram uh, oh, at boy. Cinemarketing. Oh, I like that, Mike. A little, a little cross promotion. Like yeah, it. Cinemarketing podcast. Uh, we post all of the materials that we talk about on the stories section, and this is the official Looney Tunes back in action passport from Wendy's. It starts out. I don't know if you'll be able to see it on your. Oh dear! End. Okay. Listeners, oh, oh, oh wow! Yeah. Okay. Listeners, you won't be able to see it. Looks but cheap yeah. as hell. Yeah. Oh my! It's literally just a okay. flap that you could put cardboard pieces of paper into, and a little <laughs> sticker book area, and like a little Ooh. stamps and stuff. 
But yeah, this is the I type mean, of this is the type of Wendy's <laughs> knockoff bullshit toy. It's that a is, good collector's item. It comes with yeah, a map that. of the world. And by the world, we mean part of Europe. And then also we talked about some of the other uh, tie-in products. The cereal back again with a Looney Tunes cereal. I sent so this to you guys you before guys, we went all on. Cinemarketing listeners are probably Cinemarketing listeners are probably well aware of this. But for those of you who don't know, in the early to mid two thousands, cereal companies fucking went hog wild with kids movies they would just make it was either uh general mills or um kellogg's 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 usually did the disney stuff yeah well this one is a general mills cereal and it's literally it's just tricks yeah like they would would take regular ass cereal and put like um a character a a movie cereal spider-man had a cereal yes post Post was the other one post Uh, buzz lightyear uh, well, we oh. talked about Jack Sparrow last well, week on Pirates of the oh, Caribbean yeah. episode. I give a pass to the three Disney cereals that matter. The Buzz Lightyear cereal was good. It was the, marshmallow stuff. I hate marshmallows. It shit didn't have cereals. marshmallows. It didn't have marshmallows. No, no. The Mickey Magics had marshmallows. Right. That was just that was just Lucky Charms that turned your milk blue. And the <laughs> the, the, the Winnie the Pooh honeybees. The Winnie the Pooh honeybees cereal. That was the the the, the cream of the crop. The cream of the crop for uh, for. <laughs> For cartoon cereals, yeah. It, but yeah, the, the, besides those, they would do cereals for every movie that fucking came out, it was and a, they always sucked. They were always just the plainest cereal. It was, you ever eaten. It was literally just Lucky Charms, and the marshmallow shapes are the characters in the thing. Like, yeah, it, it's bad. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Uh, next up, we got where there's a Sprint commercial with that that uh, they used for, and it was specifically tied into Looney Tunes back in action. We might play that commercial here uh, for you to listen to. <laughs> Dan Boggs replaces your picture phone with dynamite and your head blows clean off. You do have an extra head, don't you, boy? No, this is... Props! It's my commercial! It's my phone! It's mine, mine, mine! What's the matter, friend? Your phone don't take pictures. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Smile, baby. So who should we send it to? Stop the pee the air, pee the air. Picture mail from Sprint. Now at Sprint stores, get a PCS Vision picture phone for $99.99. Ow! And then also... The Vigi Games. So, oh, yes. you, so Jordan, you said that you had the Looney Tunes back in action game. So why don't you I tell did? us? Nope. Or, that, no, that was no. Me. it was Mark. You you had the Looney Tunes me. back in action game. For which tell, system? I did. GameCube. I, I had a oh, GameCube boy. growing up, so I I I, I bought it. I, I owned it on GameCube, and I never completed it. But I think I would get past the first stage, which was like the studio. So it's a scene where. Um, you know, Davy gets fired and, and stuff. So it's you go around the studio. The camera's horrible. That's how I remember of playing that game. It's the camera controls aren't it? Well, yeah, really it took, bad. It took companies a long time, especially in the early two thousands, to get the camera right. Yeah. Yeah. Also, also the 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 animations uh, or like the character designs for the humans in this game were atrocious. Uh-oh. Oh no, they're cartoony, but they also look weird. <laughs> it's they look. It's a weird way. They look like fucking knockoff, like leisure suit Larry level. Oh they no! Look like they look loony. They're <laughs> loony yeah, exactly. tunes. Yeah. I, for some reason, I, as a kid, I remember had it. I remember having a, a PS2 uh, Looney Tunes game, and for the while, I thought it was this. But then I looked at some gameplay footage. I was like, no, no, it wasn't this. And I, I dug around. I was like, what game was it? And it was apparently it, it was. No, it was Bugs Bunny and Taz Time Busters. That was the game. Oh, I, remember, I, I think oh. that one's supposed to be good. I literally didn't. I don't. It was remember for PS One, right? I think it was. 
it was PS2. Oh, that game okay. Because there was a PS1 Bugs and Taz game that's supposedly like a hidden gem. Like I hear it's pretty good, like for a 3D platformer. I think it was for P- you know I think it is for PlayStation One. Yeah, uh, no, no, that game is supposedly good. I've been playing because I have a NES Classic Edition, not to flex too hard, but um, oh. <laughs> I I flashed it and I put the two a Bugs Bunny NES games are the 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 ones that Thank Video Game Nerd has done. You know the um the birthday blowout and it was like the birthday crazy cat bash Bugs Bunny's birthday blowout more like Bugs Bunny's birthday beating blow it out your <laughs> yeah. ass blow um, out your ass. They're, uh, well, I don't, I don't remember which one's which, but um, one of the games that I, I played so far isn't that bad. Um, it, it, it's one where like your bugs and you're going up staircases and shit to collect like, carrots. Castle. And that's Crazy Castle. I thought that was a game Crazy Boy Castle game. is not that bad. Birthday Blowout sucks though. <laughs> Birthday Blowout, the the controls are awful. Um, I remember, I think I also, I had Crazy Castle 4, or I borrowed it from a friend, the Crazy Castle 4 on Game Boy. So, yeah, if you, if you want a good uh, adjacent Looney Tunes game, the Tiny Tunes game on NES is oh, cream of the crop. It's literally, it's literally just a, like a Mario 3 ripoff, but yeah. it's, it's trying to copy Mario 3, okay. and Mario 3 is yeah. awesome, so. Yeah. Not bad. Mark, yeah. yeah. Also, Mark, tell us about that back in action calendar. <laughs> okay. I don't have it anymore. It would be well, sad you if you usually be. what it's you usually do years. is usually calendars last a year and you throw them away. So I don't blame yeah, exactly. you. <laughs> so only Brett Kavanaugh holds on to him. <laughs> oh yeah, Brett Kavanaugh. That's a name I haven't heard in like a year. Sorry. Christ. Sorry. <laughs> Probably going to be hearing a lot more of him. In this. So where'd you get said calendar? Is this like a calendar you buy at the calendar? Probably store? at Walmart. If had it was probably at Walmart, and Not a you know it, it was. Did they it give you? A... Did they give you the calendar for saying Walmart so many times? Huh? <laughs> no, no, they didn't. Did you go in the middle of the desert? <laughs> yeah. Fun fact: Jersey is in the middle of a desert. Yes. Oh, good to know. <laughs> we we play uh, Darude a lot. It's very <laughs> it's very strange. <laughs> uh, they should have put that yeah, in this lady. movie. <laughs> what what, what Darude? Just play Sandstorm <laughs> yes. for, some, for no good reason. He got me good a couple of episodes yeah. ago. Where he started, we did an episode on, on de- desert themes, uh, Looney Tunes cartoons. And he started with just the sound of a sandstorm. And I'm like, at least it's not fucking Darude Sandstorm. And of course, seconds later, he plays in Darude Sandstorm. I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> that's, you make it sound like that's a bad thing. That song's a bomb. It is. <laughs> But I was like, I, I, I'm like, he's not going to do this here. And the timing was impeccable. Anyways, within so seconds. Calendar. Yeah, so it's calendar. calendar. Um, God, if I remember it. Um, good spacing to write in events. I believe each panel was like a shot from the movie. You know, so like there's one about the blue monkey, one about C. Martin's character, one about Bugs, one about Daffy, one about Tweety, what have you. Um, Does Heather Locklear get like March or something? Oh. Probably. <laughs> fucking no. God, it would have been... Uh, God, imagine what month this was the Steve Martin villain on. I couldn't imagine having that character staring at you for 30 days. Okay, well, if you want to buy it, you can, because that a print. Well, yeah, Dude, of if, I, if I had that Steve Martin character staring at me every day, I think my dick would permanently turn inside out. Like, I'd have an innie penis. <laughs> Sorry, babe. The Steve Martin calendar stays on during sex. <laughs> oh gosh. 
So now do you want to guys want to move on to the actual uh, movie itself? We haven't even gotten to the movie. Right. Yet. We probably should. Okay. Although, wait, wait, wait. Before yes. we do that, there was a couple of product placement for this that we might have oh, missed. So the there? product placement count, we made, a, we made a joke about one of them right there was that... Uh, was the Walmart scene. There's a scene in the movie where they're in the desert and they're hallucinating and they think they see a Walmart. Yeah. They think it's a mirage, but then they go in and it actually yeah. is a Walmart. And then that's where they get all the stuff that they need it's for it. Wonderfully bonkers. <laughs> yeah, to test the line from, from Bugs, like... Nice of Walmart to provide these Walmart beverages in return for us saying Walmart so many times. You knew what you were doing. <laughs> Thanks, the Waltons. Pepsi, Lay's, okay. your product here. Yeah, but it's also a big, uh, not unlike the Space Jam movies, but it's also like a a, a big uh, send up of of just like a big commercial for Warner Brothers just as a company. I mean, the movie takes place at Warner Brothers. Like, it's a kind of a meta movie of like they're making a Looney Tunes movie at Warner Brothers, and they say Warner Brothers a lot. And you see the Warner Brothers logo a lot. The, the Warner Brothers themselves are in it, even though they're played by the actors in uh, Terminator Two. Wouldn't it have been great if in, in the movie the Warner Brothers were just Yakko and Wacko? Oh, please! That would be amazing. Please. That would have yes. been amazing. That would have been awesome. No, but but what's so funny is, is, is that they include the Warner Brothers in this is that it's like Looney Tunes fact that the actual Warner Brothers had no idea they had cartoons. Like they could not give a rat's ass of what the what Terminators was doing for like. Wasn't there years. wasn't there a story where one of them didn't even know they had an animation that, yep, division? Yep, exactly. Like, yeah. We have anime. We have animation. We yeah. It's like it's like dude. And actually, I think it was um like. He met Chuck Jones. He was like, oh, hey, you're part of our... What do you do? He's like, I'm part of our cartoon division. He's like, we make yeah. cartoons? Yeah. And Chuck's like, yeah. And, and, and the they guy shoot, just goes... They shoot pictures? Yeah, yeah. And the, guy just, and the guy just goes, we do Mickey Mouse, right? And Chuck's <laughs> like, yeah, we make Mickey Mouse. Sure. Sure, mm-hmm. buddy. And he's like, okay, keep, keep up the good work. Chuck's like, mm-hmm. I bet he, he could have told him, you know... He could have told him we made Betty Boop and people would have believed him. Yeah. Maybe we made Betty yeah. Boop. Fleischer. We make Superman cartoons. Oh, great. Really incredibly yeah. influential. Yeah. Uh, do we want to do the cast then story and plot? We we can. Yeah, sure, sure. All right. Yeah, sure. I forgot. Yeah, we usually do the cast in the very we beginning. We just run off their names. But if you want to like go through like all of their, their credentials. Okay, too. so the cast is Bugs. <laughs> yeah. <Jaffy. laughs> yeah. Who else it's definitely, this? this was definitely one of those trailers that was like, Brendan Fraser, Jenna Elfman, Bugs yes, Bunny, Daffy <laughs> Bugs Bunny as himself. I do have to say, I, I always love it when they do that in anything. It's like, yeah, it's, it's Bugs. He's here. He, yep. he, he gets billing. The question is, yes. see, the question is, where's Poochie? <laughs> We, every time he's not on screen, we have to be asking, where's Poochie? Yeah. Which, complete diversion, that also kind of happened at Termite Terrace. <laughs> Where um, Leon Schlesinger, who owned um, the cartoon division, he loved Porky Pig. <laughs> like he, like, where's Porky? Literally... <laughs> That's what he would do sometimes. Or he would go into he would go into like a story meeting and he'd be like, Ah yeah, yeah. Keep making those porkies. I really, really like Porky. You know, Porky should always be in the he really loved Porky. And it was to a point where it felt like that exact scene from remember, the Itchy Scratchy and Poochie show. Remember Porky's the key to this. 
This might be a this might be a hot take. He's a funnier character than we usually yeah. have. Orky's the <laughs> lamest fucking Looney Tune. I, yeah, I, yeah, I'm not a fan. I don't really. Yeah, sorry. He sucks. That's why he has like five lines in this movie. I, I I'll watch anybody over the Foghorn Leghorn, Yosemite Sam, like fucking uh, Speedy Gonzalez. He's honestly better as a like, foil to other characters, and I think they they knew that and made it better. That's why they they pair him with Daffy or they pair him with somebody else. Sylvester. Yeah. Because like, what does Porky do? What does Porky? He stutters. Do? We gotta figure out what's Porky's deal. You gotta figure out what you do, Porky. Yeah. Can't wait for the Porky Pig movie where we get his origin story. Where, where did he get the stutter from? Yeah, it had a, it had a Nicolas right. Cage in it. But anyway, to the actual movie. Right, so, you wanna go through the cast yeah, real quick? Right. Even though we already covered it, we know we got Bugs Bunny, Daffy Duck, Brendan Fraser. Yeah, who's, the, who's the woman in this movie? Jenna Elfman, who was coming off of Dharma and Greg. Who, by the way... By the way, they are try they try so hard to make Jenna Elfman hot in this movie. Yeah. I'm like, dude, she's like fifty. No, she wasn't fifty. <laughs> she looked she was it. in her late twenties like, at best. But she, she looked old, man. <laughs> she looked like so I'm like, somebody come get their fucking aunt. Who is this? <laughs> she was fine. <laughs> you might need to cut yeah. that out. This is, this is a mean no, Brendan Fraser. Is it mean? Listen, I'm just saying, like, she she's a she's a very fine looking actress. But to put her in this movie and try to make her like hot, it's like no, right. that's yeah. it, it, it seemed out a, of place. A Scooby Doo, this is not <laughs> yeah. exactly. Nobody had their sexual awakening during Looney no. Tunes. Well, I don't know. Unless they were I mean, Bugs. I mean, Bugs just has drag. Maybe could have done something for someone. Maybe. 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 Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That's true. Does he? Does he don? Oh yeah. Yes. And there's a yeah, funny does. gag with it, where it's like, um, you know, if, if a rabbit in lipstick does nothing for you, I have no, I, I can't help you, man. And like, and like, oh, I, yeah. I like Missionary Frog is in the background singing "Hello, My Baby." It's great. <laughs> It's it's amazing. Yeah, I remember. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Brenton Fraser being in this movie, um, because of his work in this movie, he could not appear in George of the Jungle too. Yeah, a, a crime. And they made jokes about it all crime throughout the film. Humanity. Brendan Fraser to want too much money. No, it also I think it's great that they make jokes that like he because he's a stuntman and he's like, oh yeah, I'm the stuntman for that guy from the Mummy yeah. movies. Yeah, I'm dude, in more that, of it than that he is. is. The most that is. That is the most awesome thing this movie did. I think that's such a cool idea. Like, the actor playing the stunt person yes. of the actor. Like, that's yes. so cool. And in the end, we have the sort of, like, meeting of, like, too cool for school Brendan Fraser and also uh, Damien, uh, or DJ, you know, being like, the stuntman and getting to punch him in the face. I, I love that. Yeah, and what's unfortunate, I think, about this movie is that, look, I'm not saying this movie derail Brandon Fraser's career it but help. it didn't help because right after this movie I mean what we had like uh, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor Crash his Hollywood agent being a creep um Journey to Center Earth 3D not for long baby the Fraser renaissance is coming yeah. it's coming oh real soon he deserves it he deserves every so second ready. he is ready he's such a fucking king I love I, him yeah, I got that that video of him like when of the woman that one that video of the woman telling him like you know everybody's rooting for you and he's just like about to like well up like that is like he he deserves a renaissance and I'm glad that we are we're here to live through it. I'm waiting for the whale. Come on, I want to see him eat himself. <laughs> oh yeah, I'm not a bi- I'm not a big Aronofsky guy, but it looks a little bit more palatable than his other ones. So uh, yeah, I'm I, a big Aronofsky okay. guy, so I'm ready. <laughs> you enjoy it, right. Steve Martin, the King. Also, what the fuck happened to Steve Martin? Does he just do still the show with Martin? He's Short? doing it. it's like, a great show. I like now? it. 
I mean, it is great, but is that all he does? He doesn't do movies Well, he's anymore? calming down. He's, he's, he's in his 70s. He's taking okay. it easy. He kind of dropped off the face of I the mean, earth. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I feel like in this uh, era, 2003, Steve Martin was kind of pigeonholed as like he would be like, you know, in like a lot of these live action kids movies, like in Cheaper by the Dozen. Bringing down and the house. Like this. <laughs> he was in a Christmas movie, wasn't he? Um... No, oh, wait, I'm thinking Tim Allen. Good Christmas the cranks, the yeah. yeah. You're always thinking about Tim yeah. Allen. Well, it's funny because Tim <laughs> Allen was up for this role. He was. Wait, yeah. What? Jack Nicholson was considered but deemed too expensive. Tim Allen and Robin Williams were considered for the role of Mr. Chairman of the, of the Acme. Oh, Robin Williams would have been sick. It's not like what Steve Martin did with it, but... Anyway, can, can we do a quick run-through of this plot? Just really quick. Give me the, give me the, give me the quickest synopsis you can. Yeah. So... the. Yeah, so the plot of the movie starts. It starts with that opening short. It's like the classic rabbit season, duck season, and Daffy gets blasted, and he's uh, very pissed about it. He's like, no, Daffy just gets blasted. That's all we're going to do now. And then, then uh, he, he, he blows up at the Warner uh, Brothers, and then uh, she, he gets fired by Jenna Elfman, who's like the head executive at Warner Brothers. And then he ends up going on, a, on an adventure with uh, DJ, played by Brendan Fraser, who is a stuntman for Warner Brothers, who also, he got fired because Daffy he caused a muck and uh, the duck went amok the duck and, went amok yep so they're going to vegas for yeah they find out that his dad has a spy car and then they take a, no they, they take the shitty car and then they drive it to vegas because apparently there's a video message that his father who is like james bond yeah, is captured in order to yeah. save him they timothy dalton exactly they have to uh find this thing called the blue monkey and there's a place in vegas that will give them answers that was like it's like a it's like you got to find the blue monkey to save me yeah and it's just like a a, a mcguffin oh, yeah. template that they're like what are they looking for it's the ark of the covenant yeah, can you tell it's this a... movie's already a little too convoluted for but it gets worse. Worse. this is the yeah. this is the first 15 minutes yeah. of the movie and then uh, the the studio is failing because Daffy uh, is like the key yeah, to their like success. The and the shorts are bad now, or something. You know, yeah, you know, yeah. I I never understood how the hell that scene worked. Cause it's like, no. so it's Bugs and Elmer. They're in the they're going to do like like rabbit season, and then just a, a Daffy voice goes like goes like duck season or what have you, and then like a Bugs is like I don't know what's going on, and Elmer shoots Bugs. Like I I'm not. Yeah, and, and also it, it also shows that they for some reason it it, it, it the bullet just knocks Daffy's uh, beak backwards, but it totally incapacitates yeah. Bugs to the point where he's like cast and whatever. <laughs> and the whole movie, listen. Anyway, I'll, I'll go on to this, but they decide we need Bugs, we need Daffy back. He's going to Vegas. We'll fucking go find him. And then the head of the Acme Corporation, played by Steve Martin, also wants the blue monkey because it has the power to turn people into monkeys. So what he will do is he will turn the population into monkeys to build Acme products, turn them back into humans, and then make them buy the products that they make. Yeah, a little bit communist there, but, you know, a little bit anti-capitalist. It's very stupid. And the whole time, these are cartoon characters. I just kept saying, like, dude, you're cartoon characters. Like, why don't you just, like, teleport there? Cartoon physics, right? <laughs> There's a scene where Bugs and Daffy are talking on the phone. Like, Daffy is in Vegas and Bugs is in California. And they're talking on the phone. And it does that, like, split screen thing. I'm like, you're a cartoon. Just step over the yeah. line and you're with Daffy. Go through now. the phone. Get it. The, rule, the cartoon yeah, rules are very Bugs, weird. Because Daffy is, like, pushing the box, and it's pushing off screen. So they're interacting with the fucking physics, like, the with the effect. So it's like... <laughs> that's the movie's biggest shortcoming, I think. The, the, the cartoon physics, it's not like Roger Rabbit, where it's very grounded in reality. And they could do things to their own bodies. 
Like, the physics are all over the place. Yep. I don't know what the rules are yep. in this universe. Yep. But you know what? One thing I actually do like about the movie, and it even shown at the beginning, is that Bugs has like a begrudging respect for Daffy as like a cre- as like an entertainer, yeah. as an artist, and Daffy is very much like his character where he's very bittered and, and angered towards Bugs. Like, he doesn't have that same respect for him. But, like, you get where he's coming from, though, which is nice. Like, you understand, like, like because all the years of, again, being blasted, the, the, and a Daff, Bugs and Daffy at the campfire, just talking about, like... Yeah, I love that scene. Like, what are we? Like, yeah. what, what's, what's, what's with our... Dispositions. No, everyone well, loves you, Bugs. But yeah, for the me, line like, that Daffy has, where he says that all you have to do is munch on a carrot and people love you, whereas he have to put in more effort and be in more pain. And and Daffy is sick of it. And it works seeing the Looney Tunes talk about themselves like regular old performers. Yeah, ain't he a stinker? Yeah, just a stinker. Yes. <laughs> I want the movie Limelight, but with Bugs and Daffy. That's what I want. Yeah. I want just. I want that. <laughs> yeah, so, so the second. Episode of cinema marketing in a row where somebody references Limelight. of all movies. It's a good movie. It's a really good movie. It is. Movie. I've never seen it. Grayson referenced it last year, well, last well, week well, about well, pirates. Yeah. I don't know. Only I, Grayson Limelight? would throw uh, Limelight into a pirates episode. I will say Limelight. I need to see. Okay. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so they go to a casino in Vegas that's run oh, by Yosemite oh, wait, Sam. Wait, wait, wait. I, I didn't add by the way. So in order to get the blue monkey. Steve Martin's character enlists all of the, the um, Looney Tunes villains yes. to stop Which Bugs is and Daffy. Now they have a mutual. Now they have a mutual reason yeah, to get the Blue works. Monkey. Everyone's after the Blue Monkey now. So he's like, "Let me get the let me get the villains to stop them from getting the monkey." They go to various places, including the jungle, the desert, Area Fifty One, a Vegas casino, Paris, the space. Yeah. So you can see where this is going. Space is Marvin the Martian. The 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 desert is Wiley e. Coyote. The, the fucking the, uh, the jungle is Taz. The jungle is Taz. Area fifty one in space is Marvin the Martian. Like yeah. it's. But they go to. I this, think I said Marvin yeah, already, yeah, but whatever. No, yeah, I like how they I like how they use like the they have the villain characters like and they place them in scenarios that would make sense for them. The only thing I don't get about it is that so Bugs and Daffy are actors in Warner Brothers, but all of these other Looney Tunes are like are they making cartoons too or are they just living their lives? Like Elmer references it. Elmer says like, you know, no, I'm, I'm actually a, 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 a fiendishly evil or something like that. So at least Elmer is like I'm an actor but I also do this on the side. The other ones I don't yeah. know what their excuse is. <laughs> Again, the rules are all over yeah. the place. Yeah. That's what took That's me the, out of the movie. It was not a Roger Rabbit. This is no, not yeah. but no. uh, I, but uh, Yosemite Sam runs a casino in Vegas, and it's like, is this also like which a, fits? Yeah, is this like a strip club also? Um, because like he has like his like Yosemite Sam yes. girls in like in like these getups, and there's and now the wrong. Yosemite Sam short people <laughs> dance team. Yeah, yeah it's it's, and then there's a there's a big chase and a there's a there's a shootout a a, a good old br- a corral a brawl <laughs> that happens at Yosemite Sam's uh, uh, at his yeah. casino and I actually do like the bit when Brendan Fraser is like fighting the uh, the Yosemite Sam henchmen and I think that the the animation of like him fighting yeah. them actually looks pretty good. They actually do a really good mix. Yeah, like the the hits like they kind of fit uh, and and then they they get into a big car chase they uh, end up. Uh, stranded in the desert, which is where they 
uh, Wiley Coyote ends up trying to, you know, capture him. And then they f- stumble on a portal to Area 52, yeah. uh, run by Joan Cusack. Yeah, for sure. And, yeah, and this is the part where I, when they show in Area 52 that they have Marvin the Martian in, like, a little, like, cage thing or, like, a little containment sure. field, I was like, is this going to be, like, a Marvin cameo? No. Are they just going to... Fuck him over like they did in New Je- in a Space Jam: A New Legacy, but no, Marvin the Martian comes to play yeah. in this fucking movie, yeah. and which which I was happy about because I think I've mentioned this once before that Marvin the Martian is my favorite Looney yeah. Tunes character. Every time that we go to Six Flags, me and my brother, it's our mission to find Marvin the Martian and get a picture. He's really of him. cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but you could already tell this movie. I said it earlier. There was a point in the movie where I turned to Mike and go. Wait, why are they in yeah. space? <laughs> like, I, you just lose track. I'm like, wait, they went in the jungle and they already found the giant NFT. Like, I don't <laughs> the giant know NFT. Yes, the blue monkey the is blue a giant monkey NFT. Was the f- yeah, the blue they got the, the NFT. NFT. I don't know what else they did. They got the blue monkey. Bugs and Daffy are going to go on, the, on tonight's show and and talk about it. Then with Jimmy Fallon, yeah, give everyone the blue monkey. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I will say though, because because yeah. you are talking, Anthony, about like just it going everywhere and 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 why does it need to go there? Well, the thing is, is that in in the initial cut of the movie, it had a completely different ending where it ends in the jungle rather than going to space and back to the Acme base. Um, it involves Tweety um, turning into like uh, Jekyll and Hyde, Tweety, and, and devouring Steve Martin. It ends there rather than going to too many more other places and and. It had initially a really a, an entirely different opening where, where it would be a Batman parody, which would, there were little remnants of it in the opening um, chase scene with Daffy and uh, Vernon Fraser as, as well. But it, it, it was toyed with and tinkered and so much more was added and they wanted it to keep moving so it would feel more like an adventure movie, but it loses a lot of itself. Keep it moving and confuse every child watching it. Yeah, and because th- th- that's... I could definitely feel that that jungle scene. I was like, there seems like there's stuff missing here uh-huh. because before that, they hype up Taz as if he's going to be like the big main yeah. villain, and then he just he comes in and he farts, and then that's the end of him. And he finds a lady yeah, Taz, he, and he, then that's the Bill end of Goldberg Taz. is actually Lady Taz. Why not? Um, sure. Well, I do think of a fascinating is, is that you're saying the whole movie got all cut up and everything. Can we talk about how abruptly the movie begins? It's just yeah. Warner logo, and then boom, lose back in action. Here's rapid fire. Go. It's like yeah. on one hand, I respect that, but on the other, it's like, can we like get into it a little bit instead of just immediately go? They did the same old kind of opening that uh, Roger Rabbit did. You open with a cart, okay. them making a cartoon, oh, okay. and then you cut to either the boardroom in this case, or you cut to the off the screen thing. I really appreciate that they opened okay. with a cartoon because it looks really yeah. nice. I wish they made more of those, which you said they did, but never released. Right. Indeed, I will say though that it is nice that because with Space Jam, I think it took what like like ten, fifteen minutes for the Lynchians to show up. They're here immediately. Immediately, here are the Looney Tunes. Where we're not gonna mess around, and we're gonna throw a bunch of references right out the gates. Um, because in that rapid fire sequence, we get, of course, rapid fire, but also a bully for Bugs reference, where where Bugs does an Olay to uh, throw off the the bullets. And there's also just the most Looney Tune fan line of a Bugs coming into the board office and going. Hey, Bobby, how's the wife? Great nose job, Chuck. Oh, thanks, Boyles. Good rug, Mal. Never went against. <laughs> Which is, hey, Bob Clampett, how's the wife? 
Great nose job, Chuck Jones. Good rub, Mel Blanc. Never would have guessed. Like, right off the gate, the writers, they, at least the ones they originally hired, love Looney Tunes. And there's yeah. lots I, I appreciate a lot of the meta references, my favorite of which is the scene of Shaggy oh and Scooby yes. sitting yes. with yes. Matthew yes. Lillard. Yes. Yeah. This was amazing. Grilling Matthew Lillard over his portrayal of Shaggy in the live-action Scooby-Doo movie. <laughs> what kind of performance do you call that? You made me sound like a total space cadet, man. I'm sorry if you're the way. I was just, I was trying to be real to your character. If you like goof on me in the sequel, <laughs> I'm coming after you. Yeah, and I'll give you a Scooby smack. And the thing is, they shot this in late 2002. So the ink was still dry on a lot of the reviews of Scooby-Doo. And it was very much a topical thing to be like, well, didn't Scooby-Doo suck? And so having them have it out with Matthew Lillard, I think, is a very topical thing. Even in 2003, honestly. Which is funny because Matthew Lillard was the fucking oh my best God. part. Yeah, like, he is Jim Shaggy, shaggy? Oh, my God. He is so, Shaggy. He's he's still doing him in the animated shows, too. Yeah, I just love the line, like, you better improve this on the sequel. And then, sure enough, like... Like a year or so later, the sequel come out. So that's nice. Like the reference to sequel and a sequel actually happens. Like ah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, uh, a part of a maybe a, a bit of in-house uh, publicity maybe. marketing, if you will, maybe. for their next product. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that the two moments in this movie where it actually feels like Joe Dante's vision are the scene in Area Fifty Two where all the oh little alien characters are running around and all of the little yeah, the little Robbie the yeah. robot from like. The no, the Robbie the Robot like, was um, Forbidden the Planet. Forbidden Planet, right? Jack would, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Jack would not let me, make me um, let, forget that. Um, but uh, also... What was the point of having Daleks in there? Steve Martin had it in his contract to include a Dalek or two in this movie. He, he wouldn't take the part otherwise. And there, so therefore, there's some Daleks. Did, does Warner have the, did Warner have to license that I don't for know. the BBC? Damn. I, I don't believe... Huh. Wait, wait, hold on. Well, well, I don't think it's a Warner who product. Who on HBO Max... I mean, yeah, it's not Walmart's product, uh, but Doctor the, you know, Doctor Who was owned by the uh, Doctor Who's owned by the British Broadcasting yeah. Company. Yeah, Steve Martin had some money left over; he could pay for it. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. But, it seems like they have, like, you know, they've shown up in other Warner properties. Like, I think Daleks are in the Lego Batman. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Like, they are. So, but that's the that's one of the two points where I think this really works as a, a Joe Dante thing because it's all of his sort of sci-fi inclinations. Kevin McCarthy from. Um, uh, invasion of the Body Snatcher shows up in a very cool Easter egg. Um, and all, the other point where I think this actually achieves its potential is the scene in the Louvre where they're going in and out of all of the little pieces of art. That was the coolest oh part. Oh my god, because it's no, all these different parts of animation. Like you see them go into the persistence of memory by Dali and see them droop. And you see them go into the screen by Munch. Yeah, we're going to get to the critics' reviews later, but like all of the reviews, like whether good or bad, like everybody references this scene as the scene of the movie. Yeah, dude, I, I want, I know they probably are so expensive, but I would love an animation cell oh my from god, this scene. Yeah. Like, or one of the Sorrel so ones cool. from the one there on Sunday at the, the Grand Jeté. Yeah, yeah. There, it's a long enough scene where there's got to be hundreds oh of animation yeah. cells for sale but yeah no um what else is in this part because we've sort of gone everywhere uh, i will say something something that that irked me on this watch was okay so dj and daffy they go to vegas and um what's his name kate uh, uh, kate kate Hawaii. Yeah, yeah yeah kate 
comes into DJ's house, like, hey, DJ, listen, I need the duck back. Where is he? And, and this is, we get our, our psycho joke with, um, with, with bugs, and yeah, it's, yeah. it's very nice. Yeah, it's, 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 you know, for being a reference, it made me, it made me chuckle. Right. A reference for the reference's sake, it made me chuckle. Better than the Vince Vaughn version, that's for sure. Yes. And there's a line where, on that scene where, Kate goes like like it's like God damn it, Kate! Like, what are you doing? Like, you 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 your entire life you wanted to be like Bugs Bunny, and here you want to argue with Bugs Bunny. He's your hero. Where is that at the end? Because they forgot. They forgot because you set something up like that. You think the climax would be like. Kate gets to do something Bugs Bunny-like. And, and yes, and yes, that sounds a lot like the ending to from Roger Rabbit where Eddie finally gets to, like, into his cartoon sensibilities. But, you know? Yeah, what, they kind of just drop it. You know what actually does that better? A character trying to achieve their inner child and realizing throughout the film they need to drop their inclinations to be serious and professional and just be a goof? You know what movie does that better? The Adventures of Rocky and Bullwinkle. Oh, oh, well, okay. I thought you were gonna say Eddie Valiant and who? Oh no, Roger you guys already Rabbit, said that. Sure, I, I was gonna do something new. Yeah, but here, yeah, Rocky and Bullwinkle. Yeah, that's a movie that is also it's like it it's it seems like the type of movie where it's like this in the two thousands where it's like the cartoon characters and they like they ha- they go into the real world and they like that that one's more of like a very Sonic the Hedgehog type of thing where it's like they come into the real world. There was a there was a part in this movie where it's like uh, Brendan Fraser and Daffy are like driving in a car and it's yeah. like this is literally Sonic. Yeah, like this is literally the- yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was like the we same have show. a commentary of Adventures of Rock and Bullwinkle uh, dropping in around I think. July, uh, we we liked that a lot more than we ever thought we would. Um, genuinely, yeah, me and him watched that like a, a year or so ago, and I think it had some like weird meta moments That's that I thought I were kind of humorous. But but it just it's just the the, the animation it just looks so ugly and disgusting yes. for the the uh, CG characters. But yeah, there's but, something uh, to it. But works. George Costanza, he's great in it. Yeah, he's great as Boris. We're, we're foreshadowing a, a fucking commentary that's going to drop like forever from now. So um, yeah, yeah, so th- that's something that that I uh, found kind of yeah. odd about it. But we'll say there are so many moments in this film that loves the Looney Tunes. Like yes. the moment where they're in Vegas, and um, well, first of all, the 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 the, uh, the, the henchman that Sammy Sam has, it's the bad guy from Super Rabbit. It's him. And it's Nasty Canasta from Dribblong Daffy. Yeah. Those are the other two people. So when Nasty Canasta bunt up, uh, Arn, no, no, it's right. Yeah, Nasty Canasta, like, like Brent Fraser falls onto like a table and it's, and it's like dogs playing poker, but so it's many Looney, Looney Tune dogs. dogs. It's like characters that haven't been seen in decades, like Ham and X from I Haven't Got a Hat in there. Yeah. Like it's a weird quasi like, like there's Charlie Dog, Chester and Spike, the Barnyard Dog from um, the Fargo cartoons, the dog from Hair Ribbon, which is which is a random Bugs Bunny cartoon, but he's there on the far left side, and it's just didn't have to go that deep, but they're like, no, it's a Looney Tunes movie, screw it, yeah. here's a bunch of Looney Tunes. Yeah, Bunker. and look, the one of the fears that Joe Dante had in making this movie is that the Looney Tunes wouldn't be themselves, but that fear is not at all realized. These are very much like. 
They're, the, the character stuff they do here is all really good, and the voice acting they have for them is really good. They mostly just get really good people for for it. Yeah, you know, it's um, you know, we get uh, Joe Lasky who uh, voice a majority of the characters in this. This would kind of be his like only main Looney yeah. Tunes thing for his passing, unfortunately. But you know, we got a Bob Bergen as Porky and originally as Tweety. But what happened was um, Eric Goldberg really wanted to be Tweety, the animation director. No, he did. For, for some reason, Eric Goldberg really wanted to voice a Looney Tunes character in this movie because he voices Tweety Marvin. and he voiced. Hold on. I think he voices Marvin. Yeah, Tweety, Marvin the Martian, um, one line as Bugs Bunny. Yeah, there was a scratch line that was in, uh, included after the, uh, the psycho scene, he says. Doesn't anyone knock anymore? Yeah, and what's awkward is a Bob Bergen recorded his lines as Tweety, which given there aren't that many lines of Tweety in the movie, but... Not in this cut. Sure, sure enough, um, uh, the voice actor Bob Bergen went to the movie... Watched it and it was not him. <laughs> and also, according to Bob, um, they pitched Porky's voice up too much, which I personally didn't notice that much. But uh, oh, he also voiced um, uh, Speedy, as we previously stated, Eric Goldberg. So I'm learning a lot. This movie had a lot of fan service. Yeah, Jesus. I mean they they they, they let. The, I mean the, the most fan servicey bit of it is the fact that they let Brendan Fraser play Taz. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 <laughs> I just wanted I wanted to see the videos released of Brendan Fraser just going like blah, 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 blah. there is there is so Arn okay so the only late night talk show press this movie got was Jenna Elfman and Brendan Fraser going on late night with Conan O'Brien to like each like like a day or two before the movie came out which yeah. Hey, I fucking love Conan, so yay for that. But yeah, only Conan would be cool enough to. Oh yeah, absolutely. Back in action. J- Jay Leno could never. He, yeah, he yeah, could never. yeah, but this uh, So, so Brendan Fraser, when he was on, he 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 discussed how he got the role, and essentially, he was just playing around on set doing the task force for funsies, and then and then Eric Goldberg was on set going, "Come with me." It just took him. He's gonna have him just, shot. He's gonna take him out to the back and shot. Nobody does that voice except me. No one does Taz here but me. Yeah. So yeah. So Brandon Fraser does the voice of Taz. I demonstrates him doing the voice of Taz on, on the show. I'll I'll put that clip in. You know, yeah. Why not? Can we hear this Tasmanian Devil impression? You can't look at me though. You want to? Can I look at you? All right. I'll, I'll look away. <clears throat> it's not pretty. You have to be naked for this. No. <laughs> you and your tricks. Pardon. And yeah, that's that's pretty much the big voice acting uh, time. Well. Also. Uh, Billy West was also in this as Elmer. Yeah. And, um, I do want to mention... Getting a that, big yeah, downgrade after being Bugs in Space uh, Jam. Mm. Bugs isn't the best, though, I will say. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I, I mean, no, I, I brought that up in uh, when when we did Space yeah. Jam, is that his Bugs just kind of sounds like Stimpy sometimes. He sounds... It, it, you can hear Fry. Um, yeah. 
I will say the the coolest voice acting get they have in this, other than you know June Foray and a lot of the other people, is they have Mel Blanc as oh, the yeah. voice of DJ's car's rattling exhaust pipe, the little <laughs> whatever that is. <laughs> uh, he used to do that back on Jack Benny show for years as the voice of Jack Benny's uh, rattling car, and so they used archive footage and put that in as um, DJ's car. So that's really freaking cool. I was going to say, did they get those cough sounds while he was on his deathbed? Oh. <laughs> I mean, for the record, he did smoke, so maybe. Yeah. He yeah. But then again, um, back then, who wasn't? Yeah. yeah it's good exactly. for you. Cigarettes are good for you. Yeah, it's just, yeah. you know, it, it's, it, there's always a fun time travel question. Where would you go if you want to go back in time? And I would say, oh, well, to see the, to see the making of a Looney Tunes cartoon. But then you have to imagine you're sitting in a smoky room, everyone's tired, and there's going to be some racist shit. Someone's going to be like, what if the bull said a jazz singer? What the, well, just, just, just saying, like, like, what just well, a jazz singer? And then, one of the, and then they, like, smack one of their secretaries on the ass and call it Exactly. Yeah. Toots. Yeah, Bugs calls Je- Bugs calls Jenna Elfman toots a lot in this movie. <laughs> 2003. Calls her yeah. toots. Yeah. Uh, do you guys want to get into the box office critical reviews and all of the aftermath reception of this movie? We can. Is there anything else that you guys have to say before anything else you want to move into before? Well, there's a lot that? there's a lot of stuff that we've also sort of like gone over over the last of this. Like we, we like I, I I should probably throw in the fact that um Instead of having the big um, soundtrack of Space Jam, this movie had one or two minor needle drops and also, you know, two junior-senior songs. Yes. Um, They had a song besides Move Your Feet. Can you imagine? Move Your Feet, which was a hit in 2003. And then the other one over the credits is uh, Shake Your Coconuts, which I honestly love that song. I prefer Coconuts by Kim Petras, but that's just me. Well, to be fair, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll give you that. But no, you <laughs> get a lot of, you get, you get shit like here. You get Michael Buble before he was famous in this contract. You get um, High C and, and other, like... You get Elvis. You get Elvis, you get yes, Las obviously. Vegas. And yeah. I just love the little moment of Bugs seeking Viva Las Vegas. The ukulele, and yeah. John ukulele. That's such a Bugs, like, long-haired hair sort of thing to do. Listen, like the soundtrack, the soundtrack to this movie, Space Jam, it is not. No. You said that before, yes. Yes, it but is. I'm just reiterating. It's not. Right. It's not it's great. Not. <laughs> right. Um, um, I will say the score. This is kind of a sad thing, actually. Um, the score was composed predominantly by uh, Jerry Goldsmith, right? Joe Dante's man, essentially. His guy, unfortunately. During production, he passed away. So uh, mm-hmm. someone else was brought in to kind of finish the work. And uh, also, this movie has a lot of like, last performances. Like um, Peter Graves. Um, Peter Graves' last role. You got um, Kevin McCarthy's last role. Yeah, was Kevin this. McCarthy's like, last role. And uh, there's, there's Joe Lashley's last big Looney Tunes product really before it's passing and uh this movie has blood on its hands yeah (laughs) joe dante's career um the looney tunes as a cultural touchstone pretty much yeah i'll get into that 
All right, so now let's get into the critical reviews for this movie. So on Rotten Tomatoes, this movie has a 56% with 139 reviews total, 78 fresh and 61 rotten. The critics' consensus reads, the plot is a nonsensical hyperactive jumble and the gags are relatively uninspired compared to the classic Looney Tunes cartoons. <laughs> I'd say that's a bad... Listen, I think this should have been at least... Maybe fifty six. It seems a little low. Yeah. I mean, it's higher than it's higher than Space Jam one okay. and two. Good. But I still feel like maybe like a, I guess mid to high sixties or low seventies like would probably be a little bit oh, more yeah. fair. I think you're giving it too much. I think this is a perfectly fine review for this movie. All right. And just so you know, fifty nine was it fifty nine? Fifty six. Fifty six. That's not bad. It's not like, great listen, either. It's not a bad movie by any stretch of the imagination. It's just not great. Yeah, and that's yeah, no, really it, what this is. Yeah, it's a movie I think I want to like more than I do. Like I, and I give it credit for all of like, you know, the weird stuff that it does, but it you could see a lot of the studio meddling that kind of kind of makes it fall apart a little yeah. bit and like the the plot is very nonsensical mm-hmm. and convoluted and I don't blame anybody for not uh, enjoying that so much. Um the uh, rotten and then uh, if we go to Metacritic, yeah. uh, where we do our our total for Metacritic, Metacritic it has a sixty four yeah. out of a hundred, okay. which I think is probably a little bit more in the fair bar- yeah. ballpark. Yeah, that's more fair. Eighteen positive reviews, fourteen mixed, and zero negative. Yeah. So it's a movie that like not many, nope, nobody hated yeah, this no movie. One hates like it. it was just, and I feel like those were probably the negative reviews on Rotten Tomatoes were just people who were just like, eh, whatever. It's fair. The yeah. best review reads. It's a flat-out comedy all the way, head-spinningly clever. You'll be talking about a sequence set in the Louvre for weeks and always engaging. For my money, it's the comedy of the year. Glenn Kenny of Premiere gives it a 100 out of a 100. What other comedies came out that year? Comedy of the year? Uh, that's, well, a yeah, that's a bit too high, Grace. That's a bit too high. I mean, we did talk about Elf uh, and... Windy City Heat? Like, <laughs> no. Windy City Heat? No. <laughs> that's the comedy of the decade. Yeah. <laughs> oh, also, um, so uh, Roger Eb- so Eber and Roper, um, they gave their reviews on it. Uh, they gave it two thumbs up. Roper called it a cheerful and self-referential romp, blending animation with live action and a non-stop quest for silly laughs. While Eber called it goofy fun. Now, I found I went on the Ebert site to look at the full review. Um, he, he gave it three stars, and he also provided this lovely. This antidote, this story, I I guess he wanted to fill in some some uh, copy. So it's like he, he needed to f- he needed to fill his uh, his five hundred word yeah. quota. Yes, he needed. It's definitely uh, he in when you're in college and you need to meet a word count. Exactly. It's yeah. like I'll tell you a story of my childhood. So in this one, um, so Ebert just says like, listen, like I feel with Daffy's movie because in in '91 I was interviewing Albert Brooks. For the Fun of Your Life, which is a Warner Bros. movie. I love that movie. Great film. And uh, uh, according to Ebert, as I was getting up to leave his office, Albert Brooks said, look at these funny coffee mugs the studio sent over. He had four or five of them on the shelf, cups shaped like the Warner's cartoon heroes. Here, he said, have one. I want you to have one. He pressed Elmer Fudd into my hands. No, that's okay, Ebert said. Take one. What is this, a bribe? They're worth 10 cents apiece, 25 cents tops. You know, I said, looking up the shelf. I've never been a fan of Elmer Fudd. My hero has always been Daffy Duck. Um, Albert Brooks took the Daffy Duck mug from the shelf. Here, take it, he said. I want you to have it. Really? And then Ebert just um, says, I could tell from the subtle intonation in his voice exactly what had happened. He had given me Elmer Fudd because he didn't like Elmer Fudd either. 
He liked Daffy Duck. I had taken his favorite mug. No, you keep Daffy, Ebert said. I'll bet it's your favorite. Come on, come on, Brooke said. Take Daffy Duck. Take the one you want. Ebert tried to put Daffy back on the shelf. He pressed Daffy into my hands. I left with Daffy, but I would have bet a hundred bucks at the moment I was out of his office. Brooks had his secretary call Warner's to see if they could send another Daffy Duck over. <laughs> i just imagining, I want to just imagine like Albert Brooks just being like, come on, take the Daffy Duck. Back. Take the pen, Jerry. Take the pen. You come want on. the pen? Take the come pen. On. Come on, I want you to have it. Have the mug. Come All on. right, I'll take the pen. <laughs> oh, but uh, Roger Ebert's mother calls him. You shouldn't have taken that. You shouldn't have taken that mug. <laughs> what do you want? Uh, he gave it to me. I just love just like two people, p- crucial in film reviewing and film producing and directing, both just going fucking Daffy Duck. Man, Daffy Duck's great. Like, he's yeah. awesome with her. <laughs> yeah. All right. Also, then, I want to go back to the days of movie reviews where it's just thumbs up, thumbs down. Should I? Do I see it or do I not? Yeah. yeah. Nice polar reviews, good or bad. <laughs> Bring uh, it back. Yeah, that's all we need. I don't need anybody telling me what, why, why they thought a thing. I, I'll, I'll make my own decisions. Yeah, Thank exactly, you so much. That's why exactly. I quit journalism. Uh, <laughs> anyway, and the worst review comes from. Uh, Scott Brown of Entertainment Weekly gives it a 42 out of a 100, and he says, There are flashes of wit, Speedy Gonzalez muttering about political correctness and an arty chase through the Louvre, but there is also random flatulence, a.k.a. the stink of desperation. There was, like, um, one fart joke. It's one did he, fart did joke. He, did he coin the phrase stink of desperation? He really thinks he did something with mm-hmm. that? Hmm. But yeah, see, even like from the highest review to the lowest review, everybody references the Louvre scene as being the best part yeah, of the movie. because so. it is. <laughs> Yeah. It's creative. And then now let's get into the box office of this movie. As we referenced, this movie was a very big flop. Uh, was not a success. On its opening weekend, it came in at number five with $9 million. And the rest of the top five of this week, Elf was number one, and it was in its second week. And then at number two was the first week. Uh, he, uh, this movie went up against Master and Commander, The Far Side of the World. How could this movie compete with such a, a boring cinematic universe film? <laughs> yeah, that is, that is like the, one of the poster children of the boring cinematic universe. I remember when that movie came out and me as a kid immediately going, not for me. Yeah. Just yeah, not Because it's a grown-up movie. It's a grown-up movie for grown-ups. All the film bros are going gaga about it now. Yeah, it's it's a grown-up movie for grown-ups. I'm sure it's a great film, technically. I haven't seen it, but I do remember as a kid watching it uh, on, like, TV or something, thinking, I'm like, oh, I'm going to get, like, a big Pirates of the Caribbean action oh, movie. And no, it was that. not that. No, <laughs> it's not that um, at all. A lot of sitting and waiting uh, and drinking. And then the, at number three was Matrix Revolutions, uh, with, was in its second week. And then number four... Uh, losing out to the fourth week of another animated children's movie, Brother Bear. Bill Collins triumphs again. How sad is it that you, you're you losing to, like, one of the worst Disney movies? It's got talking moose in it. I have a story about Brother Bear. I have a story about Brother Bear. <laughs> oh, oh, boy. So, when I was a kid, I was, like, a kid in early teens. Um, both my parents worked. So, we would go to these, like, like kind of daycare place. Daycare center, essentially. And... There's one place where, you know, it, it was like, it was fun. It had like, like an indoor plastic playground and stuff. And, and they had, they had like, I think they had like a PlayStation 2, I think. So I, I'll go on that and stuff. But on the TV, they had a rotation of movies. 
Brother Bear was one of those movies. And it was on all the time. So I know that movie inside and out. And I can't. Years later, I know I can't see that movie again. Because I'll just watch it and immediately go, uh-huh. Yeah, that scene. Yep. And yeah. that scene. The, the dentist. Oh. Mm-hmm. oh God, the dentist's office is bringing me back to that time. Yeah. What um. What um. What uh, artist did the song for the credits in that? Phil movie? Collins. Phil Collins. It was Phil Collins. Yeah, really? Phil, Phil Collins doing a Tarzan for Brother Bear. Not yeah. as good. No, of course it's not as good. What are you talking? Of course it's not. You didn't need to tell me that. I knew that. <laughs> Nothing's as good as Tarzan. So the, the budget of the movie was $80 million, and its total domestic gross was $20 million, with a total worldwide gross of $68 million. So they, they just broke even. No, they didn't. The budget was 80 They lost they money. Lost yes! Like, oh, that total Math. worldwide. Okay, that the 20 inclu- the 60 is inclusive of the 20. I am yeah. sorry. 68 is a total... Oh, okay. The total uh, box I thought office. that was 68 not including the U.S. Okay. No. So wow, even if they the movie did, even if the movie did make a total of eighty-eight million dollars, it still loses money. It still loses money because your your marketing you got to make more than your budget in order to like you know break even, like double yeah, your you budget. Got, you got to spend money to make money. What can yeah. I say? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, it's it, yeah, it really does seem like a like an anomaly that this flopped. It's like it's a Looney Tunes movie. Like you would think that it's a sheer fire hit, but not apparently not. Um, and we've gone through all of the ways in which it was. It was, uh, you know, buried and underpromoted, and how it kind of like led to. Did that? I honestly, I forgot that the movie even existed. I. Mm. It's not until Space Jam Two came out last year where I heard people talking about it again, and then I, like I decided to like you know check it out for myself because I was like, oh, you know, I never saw this as a kid. It and was I'm... a poster movie. <laughs> what back in action? Yeah, it's a post. It's a poster movie. For those of you who don't know, poster movies are just movies that are we may have never seen, but they're just defined by their poster. Yeah. Like for example, as good as it gets. Yes. That's our. That's our. De- that's our definitive um, poster movie. He's got like, a dog. I don't know what that. Yeah, he got a dog. I don't know what the movie's about. See, I didn't even have the- to tell you what the poster was. You knew the poster was Jack Nicholson holding a dog. Yeah. <laughs> like the movie yes. Valentine would go into that um, category as well. You just know that there's just a guy with a, a face. I don't know about that movie, I guess. The I Ides of March. Yeah. There's oh, one for the you. The number nine. With the, the Jim Carrey. The number 23. Oh, yeah, yeah. Number 23. He's got, he's got 23 all yeah. over his face. Yep. Larry, Larry Crown. The number 23. That's the highest number there is. <laughs> Larry Crown. Tom Hanks is riding a motorcycle. Uh, Dude, Mike, you know the big... You idiot. You know the biggest number is 100. Come on. <laughs> You said it yourself. I mean, basically, the, this movie, um, it was like it didn't exist because of how badly marketed it is. And essentially, le- led to a bit of a death knell for Looney Tunes as a product. That's what's so spooky about this thing, right? So the movie comes out. It bombs. Okay, the end of this movie. This goes right into my thoughts on this. The end of this movie is Bugs, in the beginning of the movie, he says... Hey, maybe I can go meet all my cousins and, and stuff to take them time off. Don't do that. My 435 cousins or something. Yeah. It's like, yeah, because bugs fucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Him and Goofy have like sex, like, um, trade offs. They have sex talks. Um, I, thought, I thought you were saying that bugs and Goofy have sex. No, <laughs> they just trade it, it, secrets. Um, anyways, so. Goofy. No. The end of the movie. <laughs> You know, Bugs goes in his limo, a, a bunch of winter characters go by, like Hippie Hopper flies by, and like the, the squirrel from Much Ado About Nothing, like, is in there, and like, Mark Anthony walks by, it, it's, they put a lot of Looney Tunes in this, so it's like, okay, well, I'm gonna go 
my cousins, Daphne, you take care of the studio. And it's, that is the most sub-meta-textual ending to a property movie I've ever seen. <laughs> because, yeah, bugs went away. They all went away. They, they all went away. <laughs> is this the foreshadowing of where they all ended up in Space Jam and New Legacy? Yeah, where pretty like much. They're all like... They're all like, you know, Bugs is living alone as a hermit and everybody Dude. else has gone their own separate ways. They and were they were really they were really immortalized in the mid two thousands in those ghetto Looney Tunes shirts. Mm. That's that's yeah. that's where they ended up. The the that's that's Dude, what boy. happened to Looney Tunes after the this gangster movie. rap uh, yeah. Looney Tunes shirts. <laughs> Bugs was never the same after Tupac. <laughs> so because this movie failed all Looney Tunes related media was either put on hold, canceled, or demoted to home media. Um, a collection of theatrical shorts, as well as the Duck Dodgers television show, were put into production because of the movie. Kind of like, you know, oh, like, oh the movie's a success, and that we should release more Looney Tunes. It'd be great. Because the movie bombed. Um, the shorts that were finished were put onto home media. So. It would be like a bonus feature on some like third-rate Warner Brothers film or what have you. But the Duck Dodger series was fine. That, that was like the one thing. Well, that for another season. Whatever why? Season why did on. they think? Why did they think this movie failing was a sign of America doesn't want Looney Tunes? Yes, we fucking do. You just gotta like, do it right. You just gotta stop fucking over filmmakers. How dumb are these people? Are these fucking marketers? They're. Studios only think of themselves and of money. They don't think of what actually people need. We said it before. Need. We said it before. It's like the Muppets. What if we made them the office? What no, if we did this? It's like, we don't want, want that. You're overthinking. You're overthinking it. You are overthinking and, and it. And here's the thing. Here's the thing. Okay, some products they canceled. That's fine. Also, around this time, um, the Looney Tunes were taken off the Cartoon Network schedule. <laughs> so they were not being shown wait, on television wait, 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 anymore. Wait. You said they weren't on TV anymore. When did they stop? I know this was the time of uh, when Saturday morning cartoons kind of started to really die. How long was the Looney... You know the Bugs and, Bugs and uh, Daffy hour? Yeah, that the, one, the, yeah. The, the, Bugs the, and Daffy. Na, 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 light the lights. Exactly. That fucking thing. Yeah, exactly. Was that on until... I think that was on until like 2005. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Two, oh, three, I think, yeah. Okay, so this died around the same time. Okay, yeah, they all... Oh, that's so... The losers were on TV anymore, and they would only be really come back in 2010 with the uh, Looney Tunes New Year's Day Marathon, which was a big fucking deal because they made like new promotions where it was like the Looney Tunes as giant models in like the desert. I remember that. Changing. It was amazing. And yeah. they also did one in 2011 for the, uh, the Looney Tunes show as like a cross promotion sort of thing. So. They would start showing back and forth between the years up up to now. Frankly, you know, they, I think like a year ago they went back on the schedule, but it's like at like six a.m. or something. It's like horrible time slotting. But yeah. yeah, like this led to a serious Looney Tunes drought. And, and Mike, I said earlier about how like oh, like kids don't know what the Looney Tunes are and stuff. If you're a, if you were if you were five when Loser Back in Action came out, and you you didn't know this movie existed, and you barely watch any Looney Tunes, if you're a senior in high school now, you probably wouldn't know what Looney Tunes are. 
I feel there's I feel there's a generation where that's where that's a blank space for a lot of people. I think it's like a Flintstones type thing. Like kids today don't know the show The Flintstones, but they know who Fred Flintstone exactly. is. He's yeah. on the Pretty exactly. Pebbles box exactly. and the vitamins. Yeah. Like, yeah, I feel like there's. A, it's kind of like how I feel like with maybe our generation with like Popeye because we didn't. I don't know if anyone who really watched Popeye, but like we know the character, we know what he does. You and know stuff. what? You know what? Good through like pop culture osmosis. You know a good one for that too. Gumby. Yes. You ever watched a Gumby cartoon? No, but you know who the fuck Gumby exactly. and Pokey are. Exactly. Like you know Gumby. You know Art Cloakey, you know who that is. Like, Yeah. Now, now it, it's funny that I, I say all that. It's like, oh yeah, the, and, and the Loonies were never shown again. Um, on the home media release of this movie, mm. they um, they put, there's only one trailer on the Loonies back in action VHS and DVD. It's for something called a Looney Tunes Golden Collection. What's up, Jack? I'm hunting weapons. For the first time ever on DVD, a 24-karat collection of classic Looney Tunes. I'm rich! I'm rich! These groundbreaking cartoons are completely remastered and restored to a dreamy, pristine quality. I must be dreaming. It's the Looney Tunes Golden Collection. Look for it only on DVD. 56 of the all-time greatest Looney Tunes cartoons in one. Oh, yeah, the Gold Collection, yeah. Yep. Me and Anthony, we, we're very familiar. We, we, we pride ourselves on our knowledge of, of VHS and DVD trailers that are on uh, that play before the movie. We watch those more than actual movies sometimes. Yeah. No, those are great. When I heard of this, when I saw the trailer, I immediately went to my parents like, guys, you have to give me this. this that, I was wild. similar, yeah. This is wild. I need this. And I got it for Hanukkah that year. It's my first DVD. It's a good collection? Yes. It was, it was the first DVD box that I ever owned. I watched that a ton. And I believe without that, we would not be doing the show. There's right. no way we would be doing a Looney Tunes show if it wasn't uh, of those going collections. Without that, that's, wow. without yeah. them funneling their energy from re- releasing new material to curating the material they had for fear of someone else, some other studio head trying to tamper with the public feeling about it. Without that feeling, we don't get the curation of the Looney Tunes stuff. We don't get us watching it over and over and over. We don't get me becoming a Looney Tunes fan. We don't get that's not quite all folks and we don't get this episode and we don't get a lot of the renewed interest in Looney Tunes right now. So yes. it's something did good did come of, of this. It just may not have been what exactly they thought it would be. Exactly. So just a quick aside, I have a question for you guys. Do you guys seem to know a lot about, uh, you know, Looney Tunes airing on TV and stuff. Do you guys cover on your podcast specifically like blocks of Looney Tunes? Like, do you guys cover like when Looney Tunes was on Nickelodeon in the eighties? No, or, you know, um, there is a YouTube channel that does like history of Looney Tunes, and they did a great video on Looney Tunes on TV. Oh, I think I, I think I've seen it because I watched this guy on, I watched this guy on YouTube called. Um, I watch Nick Knacks, yes. the guy who covers chronologically every Nickelodeon show. Yes. And he got to Looney Tunes and he made like a 45-minute yeah, episode or an, it, uh, about great. Looney Tunes on Nickelodeon. It goes in so much into about like the rights and like who owned what and why. It's great and it's also something that I think would probably bore our audience to tears because it's like – What, the Nick what the Knacks video? No, no, no. no, no, no. Just, us no, no, just no, detailing no, no. that. If we were oh, to talk yeah, yeah. about like – and then it was all by AAP and then it got over to this company and then – 
But then again, it was it, when it was split. It's like the, the it's like the Looney Tunes were split, where it's like these characters are owned by these people, these ones are owned by these people. You could see, you know, or the early ones are owned by these people, and the later ones are owned by these people. If you want shorts with color, you have to you have to buy this package. Yeah, yeah it's by, a whole thing. I, I I also love there's in there's actually a uh, a. Uh, promo that they aired on Nickelodeon when they aired they stopped airing Looney Tunes for a little bit and then started airing them again and it's like we have more Looney Tunes for you and less Bosco <laughs> sorry Bosco that was great because that was all they had the rights to so they showed a lot of fucking Bosco mm. on Nickelodeon yeah. and they're like we got Bugs Bunny bitches we know what you want <laughs> yes and it's- speaking of the home media release um my god I'm gonna go over this briefly but the bonus features yeah I didn't watch uh uh, all of these, but there was one bonus feature. It was like narrated by Daffy and Bugs, and yeah. going behind the scenes of like, here's how we made the movie. I like, like that. Yeah, I remember like. No. Yeah, there was one line in the movie where uh, Bugs, ca- where Daffy calls Bugs a suck up, and with his uh, with his impediment, oh, it sounds like he's calling him a fuck up. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you f- you fuck up. <laughs> Love that. When they originally released the movie on DVD, they had like it was like that up behind the tunes, which. Would be the first ever behind the tunes because that's what they would use for the film collection behind the scenes stuff. Be like behind the tunes and this thing. So they did behind the tunes and they did a bang crash boom about the the special effects and hey, lots of practical effects in this movie, which is nice. There's a lot of sets like and I think we brought up like. Like in a, in this day and age, they wouldn't bother having sex. They're like, oh, we got <laughs> cartoons in it. Just make it all green screen. Like yeah, like they did in Space Jam too. Yeah, none of that movie was actually a movie. No, um, but what's funny is I, I, I watched Behind the Tunes, and okay, it's you know it's like early two thousand, so it's fine. But it's like it's so shitty. Like it, it's like they reuse footage from the movie to match the lips. It's like it's a dub. Yeah, it's like they're, they they like yeah, reusing animation to make it look like Daffy is saying and walking on the set yeah, and stuff like it, that. It's one of my favorite pastimes, along with taking quotes from the movie out of context yes. to fit the trailer. Yeah, and, and just like there's a moment where like they have a camera like fall around the studio and it's just a PNG of Daffy moving up and down. You can see the cutoff of the Daffy Duck image. It's so <laughs> shit, but but what what fascinated with me, what fascinated me is. Okay, that was the DVD bonus feature. When they when they went to Blu-ray, they released a Blu-ray for back in action, and they made a new behind-the-scenes featurette, and it's actually competent. Like it's competent and like well-made and good. Wow! It, 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 it's so it was so weird. It's like. You could have made this the entire time. Well, I mean, I don't know if they had the technology back then to make or it the as budget good, or but... the time or the no, but no, but like it, it's like it's like Dante's interview. I mean, yeah, like these are all interviews from that time. Like they didn't yeah. do new. Inter- <laughs> they did a new interview with Joe Dante. That'd be so fucking weird. No, Dante doesn't like talking about this movie. He's only really discussed it publicly once. The the one time he did, he could he could talk about the only thing he talked about was interference, and he said the less said about it, the better. He did say, at least it's better than Space Jam. Which it, which it is. Yeah. It is. Uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight. I'm gonna kind of edge you guys out on that, but whatever. I I actually I think I, I'm gonna actually say I think I, I said it before. I like this better than Space Jam. I actually think that I think this is an enjoyable movie. I think that this is kind of like. I think the best at least we could hope for for like a live action yeah. Looney Tunes movie yeah. uh, at this point. And it's like they still have like you know a lot of like you know. 
the like in-house like Warner Brothers stuff, which I feel like it seems like that's like they're beholden to that, where it's like they have to be Warner Brothers characters. They can't just be their own beings uh, and just running around because it. it's like all of these different disconnected cartoon segments like Wile E. Coyote and like Bugs Bunny and Daffy and Elmer. It's like, how did these all fit together in the same universe? They're all a bunch of disconnected cartoons. And it's like, yeah. I guess this is a way of bringing it all in. Um, but I think that it has uh, some fun like action chase scenes and like the uh, the animation in parts, especially like, yeah, the loose scene is very impressive. And, uh, I, and I think that there are some funny meta jokes, uh, even though like, it's a bit long-winded and the story gets very convoluted and like, but I do like the, the use of the characters and how they're implemented in the movie. Uh, and I think that this is at least a better representation of what Looney Tunes should yes. be than Space Jam. Yeah. It's almost, so Mike, what you're saying is the Looney Tunes are the best part of a Looney Tunes movie. Yes. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yes. You know, that comes up a lot. That's a yeah. lot with these movies. Just like, like yeah. the, the yeah. funniest thing about Space Jam and a New Legacy was how everyone's like, well, the Looney Tunes are great. What I found hilarious about Space Jam New Legacy, as someone who lived through like the drought of the mid-2000s with Looney Tunes content, is just the idea. Because everyone gives like the move, uh, New Legacy, it's like, why did you kill off bugs with a bug's fake out death? That's so stupid. My funny thing was... Why are you having the stakes of this movie be if the Looney Tunes lose, we'll delete them? We've already been through that. Yeah, we already went through that in real life. This isn't a fantasy. This is reality. I lived through this. It sucked. <laughs> so you're saying, how do you do your anvil ratings? Well, yeah. we we give it out of five, you know, uh, anvils. It, it's very similar to Letterboxd ratings. Matter of fact, I'm giving it exactly what I gave this on Letterboxd, which is a three out of five. I think it does some things right. I think it's a great showcase for the Looney Tunes. I think it's a better Looney Tunes movie than anything we've gotten. But its shortcomings as a movie and as a studio interfered with mess bring it down several pegs for me. I like it a lot. It's a very fun watch, but it's not a perfect movie by any stretch or means. I'm giving it a um, a, a 3.5 out of 5 animals, which I, believe, which I believe is the same ring I gave Space Jam. However, <laughs> with Space Jam, I feel that 0.5 is more of a nostalgia boost. Like, uh, oh, you know, it gave me the feels, 0.5. This, I'm giving it a 0.5 because of how much it loves the Looney Tunes, which is very, it's, it's very hard to do to demonstrate that you love something and have it not be cynical or have it be, you know, like a show. Like, oh, you're just saying you love the, you love the Looney Tunes. Like, um, like in The Muppets, where it kind of feels like you're just saying you love The Muppets, but do you really love The Muppets? Jason Siegel, who left after the first movie? Um, I don't know. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna say that I'm gonna go. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with what uh, with Jordan's rating. I'm gonna give this a three out of five, which uh, on a scale of ten would translate out to a six out of ten. Okay, uh, I think it's. I think it's a, a very it's an enjoyable movie. It has a lot of problems, oh, yeah. uh, and and again, and watching it on a on a rewatch, I think it, it was more of a delight discovering it like last year when I had just I never seen it before, and I was like, oh, this is actually enjoyable. But then like going back and watching it again, you're like, ah, there's a lot of like you know parts where this oh, kind of yeah. drags a little bit, yeah. Oh, yeah. and yeah. Uh, and Anthony, what would you give this as a rating? Two and a half out of five, or five out of ten. I think this movie's in desperate need of a rewrite, <laughs> like the the. The positive things were positive. More? It's too convoluted. More so you yeah, want more, more writers more. to come in and fuck it more up. More writers, okay. I want less writers. Okay. I just want a revamp of the script. Fair. Yeah. 
Very All fair. Right. And now for the rate, the cinema marketing rating, the rating for the marketing. This has to be a one out of ten for marketing. Um, like they they did a horrible job with yes. this movie. Like intentionally bad. Listen, I'm gonna say a little bit higher just because it was buried. The marketing we got sold it as a Looney Tunes movie in live action. That's kind of what you got. You know, maybe a little bit too much. Sl- they kind of leaned this. The, 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 I feel like the trailers made this movie seem like it was going to be more Looney Tunes heavy, more fucking, uh, you know, slapstick heavy, when in reality it really wasn't. No. So I'll give it like a two and a half out of ten for marketing. Like, it's not great. It's really bad, but it's okay. Yeah, yeah I, I uh, agree with you, Anthony. I, I think a two and a half out of ten. They used a lot of the same clips. Even the trailer, like, it's just like, it's a boy, a girl, a duck, and a rabbit, and there's an evil Acme Corporation, and also they're all going to do this, and it's like, even the trailers, it's like, what's the movie? (laughs) It also seems like a rehash of the Space Jam trailer, where it's like, a bull, a bunny, a doll, like... (laughs) Which is itself... A rehash of Who Framed Roger Rabbit? A man, a woman, and a rabbit in a triangle of terror. You know what? I'll say this. I will give. I will up my rating. I will give it a two out of ten for marketing, just because I like the the Bond parody teaser trailer. Yeah. Uh, that's the only thing about it. But because yeah, anytime that a movie is like intentionally sabotaging its own movie's marketing, it's like I think that 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 is yeah. indicative of like a bad marketing campaign yeah, that that is not selling your movie good. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm also giving it a 2 out of 10. I think it actually, I give it some points for um, clever bits and also for surprisingly good action figures and like one or two good touches in getting people into the theater. But Warner Brothers intentionally dropped the ball and made it a point that this movie would fail. And I cannot give it a good marketing level rating on that. So let's, uh, let's see what you guys had to say about uh, a movie we had a lot of things to say about just now. <laughs> we got a lot of comments for Back in Action, so we're just going to roll right in with them. Uh, my buddy Chris at Swag Kirby 778 says, Honestly, this is how a Looney, Looney Tunes movie should be. It's the Looney Tunes being the Looney Tunes and not doing basketball or whatever is currently trending. It's actually about the Looney Tunes, whereas Space Jam were more about the NBA stars. I yeah. agree with you. Yeah. I like this movie's ability to be about the Looney Tunes. This movie's ability to be a movie holds it back. All right, so our comment here from Brandon, Animator Pet. He said that, I think it's the best Looney Tunes movie, but it's not without its flaws. The human characters get a little too much focus. Okay. Steve Martin is obnoxious. No, he's not. He, he, he's, he's playing he's a... He's fine. He's a cartoon in a cartoon movie. He's goofing. Let him goof. Yeah. The ending gag is weak. Eh. Okay. A couple of jokes haven't aged well, such as the comment about cross-dressing. Wait, that hasn't aged well? Really? I thought it aged great. Yeah. Like, it, it, the, the whole the, that joke is about how Jenna... Let's not fight with the comment. All right. All that said, I generally enjoy this film and I do watch it. It's one of those movies where I see new jokes or details whenever I view it. So there's a lot. And yeah, I agree with that. Especially there's a lot going on. There's a you lot pick up a different on. shit every time you watch it. And the yeah. the Louvre scene is of course the main highlight. Yeah. It is the best animation stuff is going on in that scene, and of course it's rightfully lauded by everybody. 
We got a comment here from James Irish, J Irish 780 says Daffy steals the movie for me. Yeah, I can see that. I mean, Daffy's wonderful in this. Uh, he says uh, taking elements from the Clampett and Jones versions, depending on the situation, plays excellent tribute to everything that works in his original cartoons. I, I'm with you. I think that the Daffy we get in this film is pretty much the Daffy we know and love. And a lot of the best moments of this film is Daffy not being aware of and being blissfully, like, you know, being too aware of his own status as, you know, a cartoon character and a foil. And I like that. All right, a comment here from Jacob at Isenga Jacob. They said that their only real complaint is the lack of Pepe and Penelope in it. Other than that, I think it's a pretty good movie all in all. It feels like a Looney Tunes movie, not just a movie that happens to have Looney Tunes in it. Well, I will say this film has more Pepe in it than uh, A New Legacy, so... Yes, <laughs> but that's not saying a lot. No. Um, no, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, Pepe could have, I don't know what Pepe could have done in this that, you know, he was in France briefly. Yeah, right? Pepe's cameo was probably the best version they could have done. Like, 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 like maybe he plays a security guard in the Louvre or something. Maybe yeah. he could have done that, but I, I think I pretty good on it. He's, he's all right here. He's fine. At Antborb says, I enjoyed it much more than both Space Jams. Valid. So do we. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Bugs and Daffy are both great in this movie. While I thought this movie was pretty good, I wish more Looney Tunes characters got more time in the spotlight. I also wish they didn't cut out Pepe and Penelope scenes. Have we talked to two straight Pepe stands? <clears throat> I think we have. Um, they go on to say that if Warner Brothers ever makes a Looney Tunes movie again, I hope it will be more like this movie, but with the focus being on different characters from the Looney Tunes. Well, I love Bugs Bunny. The other tunes are interesting too. Yeah, I think that what they're doing with the Acme movie and the Wile E. Coyote movie are a little bit more yeah. like that, where it's going to be about Looney Tunes characters, although I think that John Cena is going to have a big role in that one. Yes. Um, Which, as of, as of this oh, recording, is fresh news. We learned that yesterday. So That was literally yesterday Yeah, uh, as, as we record this bit. So Which is a good cool. choice. That's pretty cool. It is. I think he'd be fine in one of those. Ant Borb also wants to mention that they loved uh, Jeff Gordon's cameo. I love NASCAR and other and the Looney Tunes, so it was fun to see that. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm from the Northeast. We don't get a lot of NASCAR love around here, so I respect when people who are not from the Northeast or who are more in the NASCAR, um, you know, when they get to talk about it. So yeah, you know, good for you. Jeff Gordon comes off great here. He would have had his own movie had. Um, Race Jam been a thing. Well, Race Jam, mm. as we discussed, is not a great title for it. All right, got a comment here from insert name here at Piper is the Nubel, who said that Daffy's arc about feeling underappreciated in his unsafe lines of work at Bugs learning how easy he has in comparison was actually interesting. Yeah, that's actually yes. a very compelling plot in a Looney Tunes movie. Talk about the relationship between the two characters and how they operate. Yeah. And that the movie should have focused on that instead of what's his face's spy dad thing. Honestly, yeah. I mean, it's more about the Looney Tunes rather than it being about Brendan Fraser and Jenna Elfman. Um, but the studio wanted it to be about humans because the humans were the people that could get people into theaters, they thought. Which, you know, joke's on them. None of them are getting into theaters. <laughs> And we have one last comment from Rhea at Dancing Would Be Bunny, who says, when is the sequel? 
Um, Mark, would you want a sequel to Back in Action? Hmm. See, Bugs gets back from visiting all his cousins. Daffy is running the studio. The studio is going horribly because they're Daffy Duck shorts, and he's just egotistical about how this... Actually, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, there are some cool ideas. It's just a matter of will Warner want to do it. <laughs> Which they, they probably wouldn't. But, um, yeah, just... If you make it more focused on the cartoons, less on the humans, because... Brent Fraser is on a bit of a career uptick at the moment, or about to oh, become yeah, an uptick. Great. So I don't think you get him back. Maybe you get his uh, the guy from uh, George's Jungle 2 to play TJ. <laughs> just, just keep that running gag going. <laughs> yeah, Christopher Showerman. I don't think he's doing anything. Keep that guy going. Uh, Jenna Elfman. You have Jenna Elfman up. I could see coming back. She's not doing much else either. Uh, like Maybe her character isn't as, as stingent. As she previously was, thanks to the experience from the first movie. So maybe she's like, okay. kind of has, has her arms tied. She's like, you know, like he's he's being funny. But, you know, like there is a way to do it. There's just no way in hell you get Joe Dante back. <laughs> no, or, he, he or, doesn't want or, back, clearly. Or Larry Doyle. He, if he, you, know, you, right. you'll get him back. But there's no way they would ever no. want to come back. But, no. um... Look, you get writers who love the characters and know them very well, and that director who... Get James Gunn to do it, man. Yes. Yeah. Everyone, go see Agni vs. Coyote in 2023 so we can convince Warner Brothers to let James Gunn do more Looney Tunes stuff, because he could do it. The time to pretend that what James Gunn did from Warner Brothers is bad is over. All right, so thank you, everyone, for uh, giving your comments this week. Yeah. I hope you guys like the episode we cut for you. All right. So for next week's episode, uh, kind of continuing the thread we have of, you know, it, Warner Brothers, when they did Back in Action, they they were preparing a full Looney Tunes extravaganza with this. Just tons of projects up the wazoo coming out. And one of them was making Looney Tune cartoons that would be playing in front of Warner Brother movies, like it used to. Yeah, and you guys are probably wondering which movies did they go in front of. Um, uh, none of them. Uh, none. <laughs> they they didn't even. They were all DVD extras, and and so we're going to be doing those next week um, and explaining, you know, what they would have been in front of and and how they ended up being shat out and talking about that. Yes. So the ones we're going to be covering are Hair and Loathing in Las Vegas, a Generation G -G Gap, and Duck Dodgers in Attack of the Drones. Yeah, already these sound like um, fun. Uh, it's, it sounds like just from the pun standpoint, it's like, okay. The best minds are not on these, so it'll be it'll be interesting to see what we think of those. Um, yeah, because clearly yeah. everyone who worked on these shorts never went on to anything. No, 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 not a one. No. All right, that is the end of this week's episode. Thanks to Cinemarketing for coming on. And if you want a more truncated version of the episode, you can go over to Cinemarketing's feed. Yeah, so 
are both of these shows are going to be different based on whichever feed you listen to it on. If you listen to it on the Cinema Marketing feed, it'll be more like a Cinema Marketing episode. If you listen to it on the That's Not Quite All Folks feed, it'll be more of a That's Not Quite All Folks type of uh, show. They'll have more Looney Tunes history and insights in there, and ours, we have more clips and more trailers and stuff like that. So that it's based on you're not missing out actually you are missing out if you're not listening to both of us so try and do that <laughs> all right if you like to follow us on twitter you can follow me at mark halem 1995 and you can follow me at tall guy schmidt if you like to keep up with the podcast or give your thoughts for next week's episode you follow at that underscore looney or type in the podcast title we are the first result and you can also find our podcast, wherever podcasts are readily available. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Player FM, Anchor, Stitcher, uh, Amazon Music. Um, Mr. Chairman has a podcast title called uh, 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 The Pendulum of Doom Cast. <laughs> we, we went the whole time and we didn't even bring up the Pendulum of Doom. Joke. Yeah, what the hell? I Jesus. think this one's the best gags. Uh. <laughs> Oh, well. And uh, you could find our show at CinemarketPod on Twitter and CinemarketingPodcast on Instagram. You could find my personal Twitter uh, at TheKinoMan and on Instagram at TheKinoMan. Uh, Anthony, where can they find you on Instagram? I don't have Twitter, but I have two Instagram pages. One is uh, Western Celebs and Japanese Ads. It's just underscore under all of them. I haven't, I never update it, but I will probably soon because I haven't done it in months. Um, and my personal, I mean, it's private, but if you send me a request, I'll probably accept it. It's Slavoj Vibe Check, S L A V O J underscore Vibe Check. That's me. Follow me. I post fits. That's yep. pretty much it. Uh, I was recently on an episode of The Gory Picture Show yes! with Lewis and Brandon, uh, where we talked about the movie Flesh Eating Flesh Eating Mothers oh, from 1988. Man. And what we, a film. We had a fun time talking about those big mommy milkers. So until next week, I'm Mark. And I'm Jordan. And remember. Uh, uh, but they, uh, but they, but they, but they, that's all, folks. <laughs> go home, folks. Go, 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 go. go. go.